Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 239. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Shares Adam. <laughs> we're, g- we're getting to that. Carter's also here. I am, yes. Uh, yeah, the DC Comics podcast. We get together, we've read some DC Comics. Coming up on this week's show, there is some news, including Shazadam. Uh, but we also have uh, the books we're going to talk about, which is Future State, The Next Batman, Issue 3, Su- Future State, Superman and Metropolis, Issue 2, Future State, Wonder Woman, Issue 2. And because of David, I had to read Future State, The Flash, Issue 2. <sighs> Future State Swamp Thing issue 2 is coming up today, uh, and of course, uh, Man Bat issue 1, plus another Patreon book I read for this week, which is uh, Animal Man issue 5, so that's what's coming up. I, uh, uh, I didn't show. know that till just right now, and it just made my whole day. I, I kept didn't know it, it either. Yes, I kept it secret so that you two could enjoy it when I revealed <laughs> how, it to the world. How long have you known that you had to read this? He told me last night! I said, hey, David, what's Connor reading this month? I was like, uh, Future State Flash issue 2, and I almost started laughing, and he went, for you. And I went, no! <laughs> You're tearing me apart, David. Uh, uh, luckily for him, though, there's a new Red Hood book for Connor coming soon, so uh, we'll get to that in the sure. news in a second. Um, but, <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's what's going up on the show. But we do have some news, we got some stuff to talk about. There's a whole thing, uh, some books, announcements, all, all that stuff. So, yes, uh, episode 239 commence. Shazadam, are we starting with Shazadam? Which is not really a we, news. We can. It's not really a you news know. story because it's already completely debunked, which I knew it was going to yeah. be debunked. When Carl told Obviously. me about it, I was like, this is not real. There's no way it's real. And sure enough, within 24 hours, every single person involved with the book, with the company, pe- uh, retailers who'd read the early copies, every single one of them said, no. no. <laughs> yeah, my, my take on it was, I'm wondering if it's a joke in the book. Yeah, I, I, I think it is. What it is, they've published... So, right, so this came from the site that we do not want to name because they are terrible, as proven by this exact article. Mm -hmm. Um, They actually now have a copy of Infinite Frontier Zero. Right. So expect things to be spoiled, basically. Uh, Everything will be spoiled before it comes out. Steer clear. Yeah. Yeah. So do do your best, folks. Um, I did look at the panels they posted that Mm -hmm. had this just uh, a couple hours ago, Mm -hmm. actually, as we record this, because I was like, where has this come from? I have to know. And I don't think it's a spot to tell you what the context of this is. Mm-hmm. It's basically some people, I don't know where they are, what country they're in. Superman's like, oh, yeah, there. And they say, Shazadam was here. And, and and Superman's like, what, what, Shazam was here? And they're like, no, 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 Shazadam. Because obviously they don't know what he's actually called. So they're, right. they're linking something they do know with what they, you know, with they do, you know, that. They're, they're, maybe, maybe there's a, a language barrier. I don't know exactly. But clearly, there's some cross communication, and that's where it's come from, and that's all it is. Uh, and that, I mean, what I say as soon as I heard this is, I'm like, yeah, this probably comes from inside the book because there's probably a part. I assumed it was maybe someone was making fun of him and called him Shazadam as, as a one-panel joke. This is the same thing, though. Is that yeah. there's an in-context moment where someone gives him a stupid name? Is does not equal DC Comics are renaming Black Adam as Shazadam? Right. <laughs> but but Pete, then it's not a story. It's just a fun thing in a comic book, and you can't get clicks from fun stuff in comic books. So you gotta you gotta milk the outrage. 
clickbait trash is what that was. Yep. And and that's why we don't like that specific website because sure they have scoops and they might have someone on the inside, but they do this type of BS and it doesn't help anybody. And then you have the creatives weighing in and like you could tell that Bendis was just kind of like, guys, don't fan the flames. I, I, I believe his, his tweet was just rumors are stupid. Yeah, I just like, honestly, I, I, I'm more annoyed at just people in general for even spreading this on Twitter, or even yeah. for a second, anyone thinking it actually might be true. Mm-hmm. Do, do any of you have a brain, really? Like, come on, seriously. If you thought this was real for a second, you are at least somewhat stupid. You have yeah. to be. There is no way this was ever going to be true. No. I just, I just love the idea that a character with. I don't know, 70 years of history, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that has never once had a name change in all that time is on the verge of their solo movie debut with a high-profile name attached to it that has been... You could say high- the highest-profile name right now, right? Like... Uh, whoa, 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 it's not Gary Busey. Let's not say anything crazy. <laughs> but, but, yeah. But, you know, my point is, you know, you know, the Rock's been hyping this film up for years at this mm-hmm. point already. It is, you know, officially, you know, going forward. It's it's there. It's being talked about in a very public capacity as mm-hmm. Black Adam. And now they're going to change his name. Yeah, sure. Right. And that's ignoring what the shipping name is supposed to be in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Even ignoring that. Uh, okay, so that's out of the way, right? Shazadam. It's still fun to say though, like Shazadam. Like it's <laughs> it's great. <laughs> That's because if you put Shazaz in front of everything, it's funny to say Shazamat, yeah. Shazam Peter, yeah. Shazam Connor, <laughs> uh, Shazam. Wait. Right, that, 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 there you go. All right. Yeah. Uh, so to, on to actual real news that we sh- we should pay somewhat attention to. Uh, so we know Yara Flores get her own book. Uh, it was originally going to be debuted in March, but it wasn't in the solicits, of course, when we actually got those. Uh, it just got pushed a little bit to May. Um, maybe I'm I'm missing something in this article, but I, I believe this was originally a six-issue series, and it may still be that, but I don't see any mention of it being a six-issue limited series. Uh, it definitely was, and yeah. maybe this is part of why it's delayed, is they've mm. changed that. It's possible, yeah. but if, just because they don't mention it doesn't mean that it's not. Yeah, no, that's, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I'm not sure. It pro- I'm going to assume it still is, and then just get a nice surprise otherwise. Uh, we'll, we'll know for certain in the solicits, because mm. it will say one of six, if it is. Yeah, which won't be yet, because that'll be next month's solicits. We'll get this in. Or not? May? No, we should get those next week, right? Oh, you're right. No, we have. I was thinking we would have only had one month of uh, post-future state solicits, but we have, we have had two. Because we had a couple, yeah. we have two books. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, okay, we'll get them soon. Um, I am. Um, I mean, if this ends up in an ongoing, then great. Because I'm, I'm on board. I mean, even if it's <laughs> just a, even if it is just a mini, I guarantee there's plans beyond that. Probably, unless, yeah. unless of course it completely bombs and doesn't sell. In which case, I, I yeah, sure, they I mean, probably will. But that's not going to happen. We've already committed to a show, right? Yeah. Well, that can make the developing a show is the difference. They're developing <laughs> but, a show. Uh. Yeah. No, but I get uh, where that's coming from. The the, the the point there is, if they're already pushing to that extent, they're probably yeah. feeling confident in, in, you know, that she can sell a handful of issues. And she's front and center in that Wonder Woman wraparound mm-hmm. image, you know, um, for Infinite Frontier. 
So I I think that if if I had to guess, I would say it's going to ongoing, you know, uh, versus staying a mini. But I'll take as much Yara floor as they want to give, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that is that. So not nothing super exciting here, but to, to get to the actual new books. Uh, so this one's interesting in that A, there's a new Red Hood book coming, but it's also interesting in, in this, the first official ongoing, which is actually set in Future State. It's not present day DC. It is a Future State book um, starring Jason Todd, and the plot's going to be about him hunting Batman and the Bat family. Uh, the book's called Future State Gotham, which may even suggest to me that it might always be a Red Hood book. It might switch after... Uh, I think, no, they have, they've actually mentioned that that it's the red hood story is the first six issues ah, there you go um but the fact that it's gotham and not future state red hood means there's probably going to be different stuff after that right which admittedly right. means that even though it's focused on Red Hood to begin with that this is probably worth checking out um and that artist mm-hmm. whose name i learned last week and i've forgotten uh is <laughs> has done some of the art here <laughs> uh yanis milo milo yanis god damn it i can't remember milo yanis yeah Milonoyanis, Milonoyanis. There you go. Uh, anyway, so yeah, he's he's doing the doing the art here. Uh, so yeah, so it Seems... feels to be delving into sort of the, the the status quo that we've learned about in Future State, uh, Batman, and all the surrounding titles. What's really mm-hmm. interesting about this to me is so we've got the obviously the Future State story with with Red Hood going on right now with this team. Mm-hmm. So we got those in the the two issues. Uh, is that in Dark Detective? I think so. Yes. Yeah. So we got that. Dark detective, yes. Whatever. Look, I've been drinking. Shut up. Um, of course he has. Then we've got the uh, the Gotham anthology that's coming. Uh, Batman, I think it's called Urban Legends. Mm-hmm. And that has a Red Hood story in it. Uh, and that's Williamson writing that for sure. Um, but that's presumably present day, uh, along with the rest of the you know, the, the Infinite mm-hmm. Frontier stuff. So, And then we've got this coming in May. So I wonder if we have like those two issues that are in the present day with the Red Hood story setting up, uh, you know, leading into the, the future state stuff that we're getting in this. And then maybe that'll rotate out of that anthology book and we'll have something else in the May solicits. Uh, I suspect it probably will. If not right away, then soon after. Um, no, it's interesting that they're continuing this magistrate stuff and they're continuing all the stuff that they are set. Because there is a lot of stuff set up and now that we're actually getting the endings of some of these stories this week, this is the first week we've had endings of like two-issue arcs or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it, there is stuff open. There's open for more stories. So On on that stuff, um, Tynan's newsletter this this week, he talked about his, you know, his plans for Gotham coming up. You know, he mentioned a few new characters and stuff, but he talked about you know the, there will be an arc in the very near future that will be establishing the origins of the magistrate and peacekeeper, you know, uh, one and, you know, going through that stuff. So that is something they are tackling, you know, after uh, future state. I think the the concern I have with that is that it's fine with Batman where I'm kind of into like the, the, the the future states like status quo. And when it comes to something like say flash, the idea that they're they're having to be locked (laughs) into what that's set up for the future is like, Oh, I hate you so much. Stop it. It's it's boy. Yeah, it's a mixed bag because like yeah. that and the the Wonder Woman stuff because we know that's pretty much following on like we you know it, it, in some ways because that's also from the end of Metal in a lot of ways with the the Diana stuff. Yeah, and so all the all, and all the Yara stuff is so separate from Diana that it doesn't really affect. Like when Diana comes back to present day at some point, and she will, um, <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter what they're up in future state Wonder Woman for Yara because ah oh, Diana's on her own. She's done her own thing. You know, we're not they're not yeah. tied to anything with that really. Uh, so. 
uh, ups and downs in that sense, but uh, yeah, so that's uh, Future State Gotham, so, and to be fair, the Gotham corner, I mean, obviously Yara is the, the exception, and she is probably the single best part, but in terms of the best corner of Future State, I think the Gotham side of stuff is mostly the best part. I would say it's mm-hmm. definitely been the most consistent, at least yeah. uh, like from an editorial perspective, it's been the most cohesive, for sure. Yeah, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, that is that's, that's cool I mean that's, that's a fine place but I do wonder if we get maybe one or two other future state ongoings if they want to continue any of the other corners uh, well I mean we know that the Midnighter story is set that's right? in the back yeah right mm-hmm. that's set in future state so I'm wondering yeah, yeah. you know if there's going to be more rolling out yeah or, or maybe it's just yeah maybe they'll just be in backups and other books and the truth is is mm-hmm. that Batman slash Gotham is the only one that can kind of sustain its own book it's based on sales. Big enough, yeah, yeah, it's possible. But I do think it's interesting that Future State isn't just this two-month experiment. They are it's keeping funny, it around in some form or another. Because it's, it's the future, so it's not really a different Earth, but as time goes on, it will essentially become kind of a, not an Elseworld per se, but like a, an alternate yeah. timeline as opposed to what actually is going to happen because that's just the nature yeah. of it. It's weird because it, it almost... some of it might come true like in the sense that okay we're setting up the magistrate stuff and you know batman right. gotham feels like the most likely that this will be well, the, yeah. re- the future oh but that's what i'm saying for now but it's not it's not going to stick like eventually we're going yeah. to pivot as soon as we're as soon as we're away from tainan and as soon as we're doing the next phase of whatever batman's going to go we're probably going to be shifting from which admittedly uh, tainan said he has like you know, at least a three-year plan so maybe a while you know yeah it's... it might be quite a while till we've passed that but uh, definitely good down that path at some point. Uh, another thing spinning out of one of these future states is we're getting a mini series with the the Mister Miracle that's been popping up and the Superman books. Uh, so this is a uh, Shiloh Norman, uh, and this is coming from the same team I think that are doing the story and the uh, uh, Brandon Easton, an artist Fico mm-hmm. Ozio. I don't know if that's the same artist, but definitely the same writer. I don't think it's the same artist. Yeah. I think it's a uh, the guy. I don't recognize the name. But so we're getting a. A Mr. Miracle uh, mini. Six issue mini. Uh, yeah, they said it's going to be a, a new origin for this Cheryl. character. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, <clears throat> that's neat. It probably needs an introduction to most readers these days anyway. Myself included, yeah. to be honest. So. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, no, I didn't realize he was created by Jack Kirby back in mm. the 70s. Yeah. So. I, I'm just looking further down the article. They mentioned there's a, uh, a variant with uh, Valentin Delandro, and I think that's the artist that has been doing the stories in mm. in the future state books uh look at the one preview page that's uh down below on this uh newsarama article the art does look promising uh mm. i say that not really knowing the uh the artist that well uh the title of the book just to be specific is mr miracle the source of freedom uh so mm. issue one uh, I presume it's in May. I didn't actually read that, but I assume it's because we're building up to May Solace, so that's what it's coming It out. is. It's on May 4th. So oh, they gave us a date and everything. Well, go. it's a good day. Uh, no, it's not. It's a terrible day. It's, it's a good day. <laughs> it's a garbage day because a bunch of nope. deluded fans co-opted it as to have meaning because it sounds kind of like a phrase. Anyway. Look, you tweet every year that happy alien day, so screw you. Yeah. Hey, that number, the actual number's in the movie, all right? So... That's more meaningful. Yeah, it, when I do it, it's different, Connor. <laughs> when I do it, it's different. <laughs> that's different. All right, fine. Okay, we can all agree it's not a proper holiday like Batman day, okay? Um... <laughs> the way Matt looks up there. <laughs> all right. Uh, and then last bit of news I've got uh, this week is this is kind of an intriguing little one, uh, is that DC are going to do a digital first series 
uh, or maybe just digital only, um, where they're going to publish stuff that's already been done and some of it quite old that just like basically they've got a library of unpublished comics you know they hired people to write a book or an arc or or whatever that never actually saw the light of day for various reasons so it's, it's kind of like a, a digital book that's like a here's the deleted comics of our history uh and they've announced what the first three uh issues are going to be they're going to be uh, suicide squad nightwing and batman stories um and they're sort of framing it i think they're doing like a sort of wraparound with ambush bug to kind of give it some framing yeah. but uh yeah it's basically just here's some stories that never saw the light of day um it's, it makes it perfect sense for them to do something with this like the nightwing story is the uh kelly and lanzig story that i think was supposed to come right after the the sealy run on nightwing the, the star rebirth i remember us speaking about this story mm-hmm. at the time because they did a fill-in story and they had another one planned and it got shelved yeah, I do wonder, yeah, if a lot of this is going to be like those one-issue fill-ins that they sometimes use to plug gaps between runs when they have nothing else, but they don't actually get around to using them all, and then eventually they're sold, they're just too like different from current continuity that they can't use them anymore. That's right. exactly what this is, and it's not worth them printing it. They're, they're too risky to print and you know uh, swallow those costs, but mm-hmm. digital first, and more importantly, what they're actually doing with these, uh, for the first 30 days, these are exclusive to DC Universe Infinite. Oh, there you go. So... It's just, hey, you know, we've got exclusive comics on our service as well, not just the stuff that's, you know, six months old. Yeah, and the writer of the Ambush Bug wraparound is uh, Elliot Kalan, who I've not heard, but apparently uh, is a writer on Mystery Science Theater 3000. So that's an interesting yeah. little tidbit. That kind of makes sense for what they're doing here then. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, see if, they oh, actually, see if they actually did the silhouettes and had him do commentary to all these comics that never saw the light of day. That may be That'd funny. That would be hilarious. Yeah. That would be, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, no, it's a little thing. Uh, so, if, if your curiosity gets the better of you, I'm not actually sure I'm actually excited to read any of these necessarily, but that's a cool thing I'm to exist. In, I'm intrigued and I might check just because, you know, I've got DC Universe anyway, I might as well. Um, I'm not paying anything for them. It's the sort of thing where if someone says, hey, this one's really worth reading, if one gets a bit of buzz because it's really good, then I'll read that one. But I, I'm not really that fussed about reading all these deleted comics because, eh, you know. Uh, some some of them might just not have seen the light of day because they weren't that good, and mm-hmm. <laughs> that's okay. I mean, but they were fully produced, though, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So you know, yeah. Which is why I say you know DC isn't losing anything by doing this. They've got more sitting there anyway. They might as well mm-hmm. throw them out like this. Why not? Right? If, it's, if, it's easy content. If anything, they're going above and beyond, but even bothering with a wraparound, I mean, they really could just say, "Hey, it's an anthology mm-hmm. of books that never saw the light of day." That's and just title it that way, and it'd be fine. I don't think anyone would have right. complained at that. No. The fact that they're actually doing a little wraparound with some, like, you know, kind of an inute story reason for seeing these stories is kind of, mm-hmm. like, you don't really need to do that, but cool, you know? Yeah. Neat. yeah. Uh, so there you go. That is, unless uh, there's anything else that I have missed that you want to bring up. Um, they did give us the list of the teams and stories that are going to be in the Infinite Frontier Zero issue, if anyone's interested in seeing what's what to expect mm. from that. Sure. Um, so they mentioned here you know, there's a, a spine story, which they say will be a, the framing sequence, and that will be Snyder, Tynan, and Williamson, uh, I believe, on that. So that kind of makes sense. They've been spearheading mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff. And then uh, Williamson will be writing an epilogue. Unfortunately, that will be drawn by John Romita Jr. Which uh, sucks. Um, but other stories, uh, most of these are the 
the teams that are going to be on the books going forward, but there are a couple of exceptions. So we've got uh, Justice League by Bendis and Marquez, mm-hmm. Batman by uh, Tynan and uh, Jimenez, uh, Wonder Woman by Clunan and Comrade and uh, Martinez and Morales. Uh, and what's interesting is Wonder Girl by Joel Jones and Jordi Belair. So they are they're using the Wonder Girl name in present cool. day continuity for for Yara. Yeah, we knew that because her book's called Wonder Girl. Yeah, yeah, but just that's it's, that's being set up in this issue and spinning out of that. Cool. What is interesting is uh, Green Lantern Alan Scott by uh, Tynan and Stephen Byrne, and mm-hmm. he did say this is going to be a sequel to that uh, Alan Scott story that was in the I think it was in the Green, Green Lantern. Lantern. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep. So that's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teen Titans Academy by Tim Sheridan and Rafa Sandoval makes sense. Uh, Superman by Philip Kenny Johnson and Jamal Eagle. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Green Arrow and Black Canary by Joshua Williamson and Alex Maliv. Maliv? Yeah. Arrow and Black Canary. Now that is interesting. Now, obviously, they're not announced to be any on any book yet, it's possible that there's speculation that there's maybe setting up for something in Bendis' Justice League, uh, yeah. especially with the Maliv there, because obviously they're frequent collaborate, collaborators. But... Well, yeah, and, you know, the Leviathan stuff. Yes, Maliv exactly. Was doing, so. Yeah, and that, that was uh, Green Arrow related. Yeah, well, fair, right? yeah, fair thing it could be setting up, because we know we're supposed to get another Leviathan mini at some point, so maybe yeah. it's, we're setting up that more yeah, than yeah, an it ongoing. Could be. But I think what's interesting is Williamson's writing this, not Bendis. Right, well... I feel like Williamson has become Bendis's protege in a lot of ways, especially since Bendis came to DC. Mm. And so a lot of the stuff, I mean, because he's writing the Justice League Future State stuff, Williamson is. That's true, know. yeah. So, like, and then he's taking over Justice League, so I'm sure, um, you know. And again, if you haven't read Nailbiter, Bendis shows up as a character in an issue. So It could like, just be that. It is worth mentioning, though, that Williamson... Doesn't have any ongoings, and well, actually, maybe the Robin book. I think that was him. But he did, Robin, he, did, yeah. he does have. He has said he's got multiple things set up at DC that aren't going to be announced until later in the year. So there's always the chance this could be one of them. It's, that there's a Green Arrow it could book be, coming. Yeah, through. we know he's got the Robin, uh, the Damien book, and then right. he's doing all this Red Hood stuff, both in the anthology and in the uh, the Future State one. Mm-hmm. So that is a couple of books a month that he's still doing, even in March. Yeah, so I'm interested to see. Because it's been all since we had a Green Arrow book now. It's actually been a couple of years since that, that book ended. So uh, yeah. I'd be very curious to see a new ongoing Green Arrow. And especially if the title like Green Arrow and Black Canary, which would be nice. Yeah, yeah. I'd be all for that. Um, last couple of stories. Stargirl by Jeff Johns and Todd Nook. Mm-hmm. Um, Green Lanterns by Jeffrey Thorne and Dexter Soyes. That's the ongoing team. And then what's a little bit interesting is The Flash by Joshua Williamson and Howard Porter. And that's the only one here that is looking backwards and not forwards. Because all the rest of the books are the, mm-hmm. the upcoming teams. But that's the one, obviously, you know, that's just so, had. I'm wondering if this is his actual capper. Like, it wasn't just his final issue. This will be his grand goodbye, you know. Could uh, be. I think it's it's interesting how much Williamson has in this issue, because he's part of the spine story with mm-hmm. Tyne and Snyder. He's doing the, the Green Arrow and Black Canary. He's got a Flash story, and he's got the epilogue story as well, mm-hmm. uh, with unfortunately Romita, but you know that's presumably yeah, separate from, from these so that's that's a lot that he's doing in this issue yeah and i just remember him being announced for flash saying that john's handpicked him right and being a little bit familiar with him from his indie work so like it's super cool now that he seems to be one of the premier dc guys 
Yeah, he's up there. It's like him and Tynan are the, the forefront mm -hmm. of this next generation, yeah. uh, I would say. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, and yeah. along with that Alan Scott story, uh, and maybe to an extent Stargirl, although it feels like any GSA they're setting up is more in the past rather than present day. Yeah. Um, we're still waiting on this GSA potential book piler from Snyder or Tynan. Like someone's I'm doing GSA, damn it. They didn't, I'm shocked they didn't announce it this week because I don't know if you saw the, the next animated movie is the... Uh, yeah. JSA World War Two, yeah, mm. and um, they, they've been releasing like the first trailers all this week. Yeah, um, so I'm surprised they didn't like time an announcement to coincide well, it, with that. It, usually, they reveal books on the run up to solicits. The fact that they did a batch of them this week when solicits aren't until next week makes me think that they've got a couple of big things to actually reveal next week before the solicits. So it's entirely possible that anything as big as like a new GSA book is as much. I mean, these the announcements are cool, but they weren't huge announcements by any means mm -hmm. no they're just adding to the slate though in a, in a good way like you yeah. know they're filling things out and you know they are but they aren't the temple books but i could see one or two big books but announced next week before the solicits for me and maybe gsc will be one of them i mean i've been waiting long enough go on, go on. Go on dc <laughs> we, can, we, can, we can live in hope uh and you know and you know see it through don't don't, don't bungle it like uh like legion right you know matt still hurt yes. <laughs> or, or young justice as well because that that one by the sounds of it uh, I mean that's true, but I I wasn't as like thirsty for Young Justice. Young Justice was a cool idea to bring him back, but I mean there was several Teen Titan things I, going on. No, it wasn't, like... I know you weren't, but I think there were a lot of people excited for yeah. Young Justice, uh, and and were waiting on that kind of that you know not all of that exact lineup, but that era of Teen uh, heroes having their team again. Um, and it yeah, doesn't seem to have gone down that well. Don't worry, there'll be a there'll be a mini series next week called The Death of Connor Ken, and it'll be delightful. Uh, well, he's going to Suicide Squad, so it checks out. <laughs> Wait, is that mean you're going to be reading Suicide Squad, Matt, so you can read Connor Ken? <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, Negative. Uh, all of Matt's dreams for the first, like, four years of this show I just know. got crushed, didn't they? Region, Connor, so now I'm just like, hey, I'm going to start focusing on characters I don't like. I hate Batman. <laughs> This is going to backfire. Ba Batman's going to have like his most successful year ever, yeah. with the most books ever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> at, at Connor's urging, I read the new Tynan uh, newsletter, and I'm like, ah, oh, dude, I would love to sit and talk to this guy. Ah, uh, he's like, just the, the so, back half of that where he talks about his his yeah outline of what he thinks the industry is and where it should go. Yeah, is just like, oh, I'm so glad he's getting into a position of not power, but a position to spearhead things at DC in a direction mm -hmm. that is moving forwards and not just same old Right, time. not constantly looking back, but then I look at Infinite Frontier and it, it kind of flies in the face of a lot of what he said, but at the same time, you have to keep updating because you're DC. Yeah, and you're, you know. like, just to, to so. point, you know, what he actually said about, like, his Batman stuff is uh, the idea that in this timeline, this is the furthest along Batman has ever been in continuity. Mm -hmm. This is the oldest Batman has ever been in continuity, right. though, not counting, you know, Dark Knight, whatever. Right, right. Um, and he wants to play with that and not just, oh, well, we'll go back, we'll bring Alfred back, we'll, we'll do year right. one stuff again, we'll, we'll go back to having you know, Which... all the younger Robin. You know, he wants to push it forwards in new ways, and that's exciting. Right, right. And, that's, and that is good because that's something that I, as a longtime comic fan, like as much as I love the nostalgia trips and you know these smaller characters that show back up and, and whatnot, I do like the fact that we're not treading on the same things in Batman that we've had over the last like 10 years. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what I like about Tynan's Batman book for sometimes as frustrating as it can be, like with the whole Ghostmaker stuff, it is kind of new Gotham. And yeah, in and I think that's why this this period where Bruce Wayne's not got money or not as much money, mm-hmm. we're setting up the the magistrate into into the the, the future state status quo. Mm-hmm. I think it might stick a little bit longer than maybe we're expecting because Tynan is pushing for it because he's like, no, let's right. do something completely different with it and not just revert to the Batman status quo. That's exciting. Right. It is. I'll always uh, be a supporter of things moving forward. Um, there's nothing more frustrating in comics when things do progress, you like how they've progressed, and then they revert. And one of the vicious cycles we're in is that a lot of those progressions that we did like from before, we want to come back. Not because we want to go back, is that they were they never because they, they never finished. <laughs> it was like they, they were heading in a direction that yeah. we liked, and we want to see the continuation of that exactly. rather than so, where we've reverted to. I know that that applies specifically to anything here, but I, I'm just I'm almost a little bit worried that you know in a few years' time, okay, we'll go through a lot of this, and then it'll be like, oh no, back to status yeah, well, quo. And so that's he also kind of defended that version of continuity in that these are who the characters are. And yes, if we treat them all like it has happened, then you can keep moving forward instead of having to go back and go, oh, no, it didn't happen like that. Right. So in the same way that it refutes a lot of the people that don't like continuity because it's too convoluted and it's too, you know, I shouldn't have to read all of this stuff. But at the same time, he's like, well, well yes, you don't have to read all that stuff, but. You just have to acknowledge that this stuff has happened, right? And that this is who yeah. Batman is right now. The, the only Instead thing of... I will say, the only cynical thing, because I like a, a lot of what this sounds like, but the only cynical mm-hmm. thing I'll say is that he has himself very recently committed the trope of mm-hmm. inserting stuff into Batman's backstory right. uh, that's a very important to this new character he's introduced. And move forward! Stop shoving things into the backstory! Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that, I mean, that's a slightly different angle on on his yeah. idea of looking forward yes. as opposed to back because he means like mm-hmm. recreating these just oh it's year one again you know like oh, right. oh no in, i get no i get what i get what he's saying years. i'm but i am adding on to this that that equally to me is frustrating because you're trying to shoehorn things into like history that weren't there bill from scratch no no i i with you i mean i think we're all yeah. kind of on board on the ghost maker being a bit weaker yeah Shit. Um, yeah, it's I mean, a bit shit. <laughs> he's he's introducing another new character. Uh, I think he said the first appearance is technically in mm-hmm. 106, but re- in reality, right. their story starts in 108. I don't think I'm shitting on Titan here because I've enjoyed Punchline, no. I've enjoyed Clown Hunter. Uh, you know, a lot, so a lot of his new characters no, that I've been playing with. But it's Ghostmaker's Origin. You're, you're very much on the record talking about it's annoying that this is just another character from Bruce's past that's come back to haunt him. Yeah, someone who was sparring with constantly through his right. years of training, like. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, look, so. not every new character that he creates can be a big hit. That's that's fine. But if if the majority are, I'll be happy. Because like I say, yeah, yeah well, really happy with Punchline. Clown Hunter's cool. Looking forward to seeing this new one. I, I forget the name. I, I think he did tell uh, us, but it's yeah. uh, Mary Miracle, something like that. That sounds familiar. Miracle Mary. Yeah. yeah. Well, and he's gonna have a, this new version of Scarecrow, which I'm not a fan of the design, but I do like what he said, where they're trying to get away just from the baghead. Version like, no, that we yeah, got he, he was he was made a big push to have the hat back and be like, right. no, this it, is Scarecrow, not just Batman Begins, not, you know, with the background. right, not just Jonathan Crane. Although yeah. seeing the 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 syringes on the fingers 
in the Arkham that's the very, games kind yeah, of design. That's a very video I'm game. I'm kind of not a fan of that. But the fact that he says he wants Scarecrow to look something like you would see an actual Scarecrow out in the middle of a field, I think that's pretty cool. And especially tying him being a horror guy and what that means for that character in the state of fear just tells me, like, okay, yeah. maybe I'll, I'll keep collecting Batman physically when I wasn't. I was just <laughs> digital. But, but now it's kind of like, so well, shoot, man. I, but I also, yeah, like, I want to support, I don't know. And I know all the money goes to the same place, right? It all goes to DC. No, no but right? the reality is they do count physical sales as more valuable than right. Even, even though they get a higher cut from the digital ones. Right. I want and, and me buying a physical book, something that I have to put away and like that takes up space, I guess proves to to my own stupid, you know, part of myself. It means more, right? That I have like physical Titan books versus ones that just sit in a digital cloud, you know? Yeah, so, I'll defend the uh, syringes on the hand, on the glove, right, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think at least what the game was trying to do is that because they were treating the sequences more like dream sequences, nightmare sequences, it was yeah. intentionally right. evoking Freddy Krueger. I think that's kind of the point right. of that. Yeah. Uh, right. So, I mean, like it or not, I, I think there was at least a strong thematic reason why they made that choice. So it wasn't just a, well, nearly let's just throw syringes on his fingers because it's no. cool. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm just saying, as someone like, I like the more psychological aspects of Scarecrow. Like, one of my favorite Batman stories of all time is where the people in, in Arkham tell Scarecrow he's not scary anymore, that they know his gimmick. Like, he's been beat up by Batman so many times, no one's afraid of him. And so he becomes like a serial killer and starts killing random people and puts Gotham back on notice. And it's really effective, and he's not wearing his costume. He's. I mean, it's like a little two-issue arc in Detective Comics from, like, the mid-2000s. Uh, I forget the name of it every time. I think, I think but you've about this before, a long time yeah. ago, when we talked about our, our favorite stories. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's just, like, I just love that concept of Scarecrow as, yes, he is a psychologist. He knows how to weaponize fear. It's not just the the gas. Because that was the other thing, is Batman challenges him. That he's like, you're too reliant on the gas. And he's like, well, I can do it without it. And so I kind of, I like that aspect of him, too. But then again... You know, you know, syringes are scary, right? Like, especially if you're Connor. So, yep. who knows? I, Have you seen what he looks like, the new Scarecrow? I haven't actually, no. Okay, I'll, I'll find the picture and throw it up. In there. Yeah, it says a lot that, don't wrong, I think we're all enjoying Future State well enough. Mm-hmm. Um, there are definitely some good books. Some books that we're not enjoying as much, but there are definitely stories we're enjoying. But I think we're all kind of excited and looking forward to getting back to regular continuity as well. And uh, I think we, that's always the case with these things. So even even when your 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 one or two month break is good, if if the books are good, and they've been obviously mixed, but there's been some really good stuff in there. Um, I think you're always want to just get back to this, get back to the ongoing world. It's, it's always I always have that feeling, especially yeah. especially I felt it this week. Even though there's a couple of really good books this week, I really felt it this week because I'm like, okay, we're on month two of this now. I'm ready for the world yeah back. i think i think that that's how like a lot of the gimmick months that were in the new 52 every september they got away with purely because they were one month don't right. wrong you often felt it by the end that you were ready to get back to it but it was one month so you were all right fine it's only one issue of each book i think you know this is obviously closer in style to convergence in that okay it's a full two month break from everything don't get wrong this is way better than convergence like yeah there are a lot of books here that we that we are but enjoying there was but yeah there was a lot of cool stuff in Convergence, though, just like, you know, Superman running around like Daredevil, you know, because he didn't have powers. 
you know, where yeah. I feel like here there's a lot of cool stuff too, but I'll be happy when we're back to back to the norm. You yeah. know? Like that's fun in small doses. But yeah. And then then I read One Roman and I was kinda like, okay, this doesn't necessarily have to be feature state, it's just a Yara story, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you could take that exact story and set it in present day and just tell mm-hmm. us it's present day and we'd be like, sure, right. fine. Yeah, there'd be no, no mm-hmm. reason to suspect otherwise. Uh, no. Um, so on the Scarecrow image that Matt sent me, just because yes. <laughs> I've seen it for the first time, yeah. uh, gas mask is cool. Uh, the hat looks a bit weird, but I think it's just the angle of this image because it's like yeah. from underneath. So it looks like he's got more of a... He's like made like an afro out of straw, which I don't think he actually has. I think it's just yeah. the under I think it's just because he's looking up at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's but, just the the brim, essentially. I think that you're seeing yeah, there. Yeah, uh, long hair's a bit. Or, I mean, I'm sure it's a wig, but you know, whatever. The long hair's a bit weird, but I mean, mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea of the the gas mask element into the yeah. mask. Yeah, and I, I like that it's the cool. uh, the needles on the hands are yeah. actually like like taped on or stitched into the gloves. They're not like yeah. just on the end of his fingers. They are on top of them. Like they they are there. Well, and they have tubes running to them, like Bane. You know, like yeah, like Venom. So, but no, it, it's really cool. From a horror guy like Titan, like, of course, he's going to have a Scarecrow story waiting in the, you know, so. But Miracle um, Molly was the name. Miracle Molly. Yeah. There we go. I just happened to see it right under the, it was right yeah, under yeah, the Scarecrow yeah. picture. Yeah. So, but cool, cool. All right. Uh, well, I think we'll get into some books then at uh, this mm-hmm. juncture. So. Future State, the next Batman, issue three. Uh, we'll talk about creators as we go through, because uh, multiple stories. Although I think we all only read two out of the three stories this time, given that the the third story from last month mm-hmm. we did not enjoy at all. So yep. uh, so we'll talk about two of the stories in this one. Um, so the main story, of course, continuing the, the Tim Fox, uh, or is it, is it Jace he wants to be called now? It's, uh, yeah, he wants to be called Jace for some reason. Yes. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll find out. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially uh, more than ever now, now that we're seeing that some of this stuff is continuing in some way, and we're getting the origin, mm-hmm. many of course, that we're going to cover. Uh, I think, yeah, I, I know I was finding it kind of interesting the naming of this. Tim obviously is, is a Robin, and Jace feels like short for Jason, which is also a Robin, yeah, and yes, like, and he's kind of a dick, okay. so yeah, I mean, there's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's not really. I was, uh, no. it, it was the only way I could fit Dick into the, the whole. Sure. Ad. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, kind of a spoiler. It's hard, hard to fit Dick in sometimes. Um, <laughs> it's oh, terrible. Oh. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> I, tried, I, I tried to get her in. I couldn't, I couldn't make a Steph pun, so I went with her other. Uh, um, Don't forget she was Robin. Yes, yes. Um, and something, something, son of the Antichrist, therefore Damien, therefore... Uh, yeah, we've completed the circle. Yeah. All right. Uh, so <laughs> the last issue, uh, the last story, or the last part of this story uh, ended with... Uh, there's this couple who had killed the, the, the murderer of their child. The magistrate showed mm-hmm. up, and they're sort of cornered, uh, which is where this issue picks up straight away, and we get a very extended action sequence of this Batman flying through the robots, dismantling them, ripping things off... Mm-hmm. Uh, just chaos throwing electric uh, grenades, I guess we'll call them. Um, mm-hmm. it's just it's just, it's just letting the art go for it, really. Uh, yeah, it looks pretty good. Uh, it's worth noting this is uh, Laura Braga as well on, on the mm-hmm. finishes again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still have the, the Darrington breakdowns, but we're not back to Darrington like the first issue. I wonder if the last part will have Darrington back full. I think so. I hope so. Mm. 
So not not that Laura Braga's bad. I actually think it no. still looks pretty good. It's just the, the, the action is really the... really well done because it's like a third of the book. Yeah, you know? it's just but this... the bar was set too Sorry. high in the first issue. That's yeah, <laughs> if if it, yeah. if it had been this the entire time, we'd all be praising it every issue. Yes, true. Because uh, yeah, it's a solid comic book art. Uh, the big thing though is that the uh, mustache man. Uh, <laughs> from the magistrate. Yeah, mustache man. Uh, he gets grilled by uh, magistrate one, peacekeeper one, uh, who is like, "Wait, you? Why didn't you shoot first? Why? Why did you identify yourselves? What, what part of shoot on sight are you not following here?" Um, and mustache man at least is like, "Well, we should at least identify." I mean, that feels like at least what we, at the very least before we start shooting people, uh, give them a chance right. to surrender. Um, and he just grills him for it and tells him to get out there and don't come back to me until you're wearing Batman's cape soaked in blood, <laughs> which is, yeah. you know, pr- pretty great. Uh, this one sets up a bit more of the supporting because we get Renee Montoya and some of the other detectives, um, and one detective in particular that uh, Tim ends up calling uh, because he wants the, to turn the couple in to have a trial because he's like, they did murder someone. He doesn't want to let them just go away. Mm-hmm. They're not innocent, but uh, he doesn't want if the peacekeepers get them, they're just dead. So. He wants to try and, you know, arrange a proper exchange to the police so they're going to be taken into custody. Um, after getting their help, healing his wounds because he's been shot. Uh, he makes him stick a flare against his open wound. <laughs> so little, that sounds painful. Yeah, but the big... It's the, but, so metal. The big cliffhanger, though, is that the, uh, the husband decides he doesn't want to be taken in and attacks him at the end of the issue and tries to strangle him, so... That's the scale where the big cliffhanger comes. <laughs> He'll never take me alive. Oh, man. And, and that, no, the, the, his his logic is, well, if we kill Batman, they'll maybe let us, give us a pass. Right. And yeah. I, I understand why he's come to that conclusion. Obviously, the, I'm not I'm saying he's right. But... Well, yeah, in the context of this world, we're killing capes and whatnot. It seems to be the a very... And that's the other thing we get here is uh, Lucius and his wife. And... Mm-hmm fascinating sort of seeing why Lucius feels the way he does now about people in masks. It's, uh... Yeah, yeah. it makes me wonder what happened to Tam, because Tam mm-hmm. has worked with... Tam was working with Batwoman, right? That was her... Was that... No, was that... No, that, Julia, that, that was Alfred's that was, uh, yeah. niece or whatever. That was Alfred's, okay. Yeah. Where did Tam come... Because I remember Tam. Tam has worked with them before. Maybe in the Batwing stuff? Maybe it was the Batwing stuff. So she worked with her brother... I think and so. Uh, so she's been close to it too. So like, so whatever happened enough, it kind of turned Lucius. And I, even though I, I like his wife talking about like, look, I like this law. I don't like how they're enforcing it, which is an interesting take. Well, it's interesting that you the know, daughter then after this argument, when, you know, the, the wife comes out mm-hmm. says, you know, like you really support this, this cop's just shooting on site law. And she's like, no, this is, this is different. It's like, oh yeah, it's never different. It's just different for us. And it's, it's a really interesting argument here. Um, you know, that is kind of her point, though, that she she supports mm-hmm. the the idea of the law against anti vigilantism. She just doesn't like the shoot right. on sight part of it. She wants mm. apprehension. Right. Right. Yeah, but so, but I like the dynamic between them, though, just because of how that yeah. works but uh, the, the 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 sister does go to, uh to look and says hey right, just fess up are you are you batman <laughs> like seriously yeah. like you you're basically killing her parents over this they're, they're constantly fighting about what to do uh and it's batman's fault uh and he's like look it's not me i don't be wearing a mask it's like it's a promise but do he's like me. look i've been there and whoever it is they're they're they're, they're, they're good people 
Yeah, yeah, he sticks yeah. up for him, which is interesting because we know because we know how he feels about his brother. <laughs> right, as he just in the in the panel before, you know, or whatever he calls himself, he's not helping being around, you know, or being around, he isn't helping at all. Yeah. You know, so out of the the two word, both sides of his mouth, although unknowingly. So, but I think that's hilarious. That's classic secret identity stuff, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think what's impressive about all this is that I'm, I'm, you know, it's getting me invested in the status quo of this book and this world. And mm-hmm. sometimes when they try and force new characters, they try and force new versions of Batman or new versions of Superman or whatever. Uh, I very quickly just get kind of get a distaste for it. Uh, this is just proof that if it's actually a well-written story uh, that doesn't kind of betray some of the core elements of what it is, uh, it can work and it, it can draw you in. You can kind of start to yeah. care about this version it's, of things. It's why I'm so interested in gotham going forward and so you know we we know they're setting up the magistrates this stuff and uh peacekeeper one and that that's going forward in the main batman title we've got this uh digital first origin story for this batman and we've got a future state gotham book coming that'll still delve into this world it feels like we're tackling this from a handful of different directions and you have we're to, gonna get a complete story by the end and you have to imagine that there's going to be a story about this batman in that gotham book and at that point, I also think... I mean, assuming Dark Detective doesn't end with Bruce being killed properly, uh, that eventually Bruce and this Batman are going to be face-to-face, and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever comes of that meeting. So, yeah, that's like also, in that book. Kind of also brought up how he's going to use Peacekeeper 1, so it also makes me wonder what's going on with Peacekeeper 1. And who is we've it? Been speculating about the identity um, yeah. before right. this, and I'm wondering now, maybe we won't learn, because it's going to be right. something in the main Bat book, uh, you know, in yeah. the next few months. Yeah. Or alternatively, well, whatever... I, I, I could totally see it being the cliffhanger at the end of this. Like, at the end of part four could be, this is who it is, and that's like, that's why you're like, oh, this is why you care about the origin. I'm actually really right. interested to see how much closure they give these series now, because yeah. now, now we're kind of, aware they're going to start tying back in and leading towards this and, and they're going to have books set in the future state world still mm-hmm. i wonder how much they feel the need to tie this up neatly or if they feel like they can just leave it open and we'll, we'll get back to that we'll pick up that cliffhanger later in, a, in another book yeah because it, it felt like such a contained event originally when they announced it but you know, the, the the closer we get to the end, the more it feels like, no, there's a lot of stuff that's going to be mined from this for at least the next couple of years. Yeah. Well, it kind of feels like Days of Future Past in that way, mm. where Days of Future Past was started off as a piece of a story, and then as other creatives started coming to it, it started to create its own lore within the X-Men stuff. And we know Tynan's a huge X-Men fan, Yeah. Right? So almost makes you wonder if that's kind of his take with like yeah i'll take stuff that was happening in future state and roll into it right. or if so it was the reverse you're suggesting he had the idea he he did you know his x-men you know detective comics run and now he's doing his days yeah. of future gotham is that is that what you're saying and that's kind of that's kind of what it feels like just because you know the whole days of future past launched like the whole stuff with like bishop and time travel with the x-men and <laughs> You know, what's, what's so interesting is we thought he did Days of you know Gotham Past in the uh, yeah. uh the yeah that that story that we With had that was yeah, a, we, that was a test this is this is the uh, this is the real deal this is the big yeah but Matt you make you make yeah it's just funny that we thought we'd done it we thought he got it out of his system and then he's like no I can do better than that 
Yeah, but with the Days of Future, that was mainly just a fun play on words. With this, though, this feels like that dystopic future that, you know, we can prevent, right? We're going to give you a piece of it and show you how bad it gets. And then I'll show you how it unfolds and when it can be undone. Because I feel it's, like that's where he's going to go. It's interesting because the Gotham stuff of Future State feels like a genuine inevitable conclusion of where mm -hmm. we're going to get to with Gotham comics in the next few years. Right. In, in a way that no other Future State books do feel no. like. like most of them feel like, ah, oh, this could happen. It's a possible future. Mm -hmm. Whereas this this does feel like, no, we, we, we can get to this. Point and, and, uh, and in most cases with the other ones, I don't even want them to ever get there. And in most, you know, because a lot of the other ones, it's like, okay, it's a possible future, but I'm happy for them to forget this and just continue their, mm -hmm. you know, better ongoing, future, you know, present day stuff. Like, they forget about what future state set up, but it's fine. Uh, and like you say, Yara Floor, like, I mean, that could be set present day. I mean, I'll, like, yeah. that's the reason why it isn't. They're, uh, they're telling us it's not, and the fact that she's Wonder Woman in this mm -hmm. future state book and Wonder Girl in the present day means there is stuff before which, this story that we're, we're seeing right now. Which tells me she's even more of a mess now. So I, I you know, the whole Kate Bishop vibes, I was, mm. you know, well, I attributed yeah. to her. Making her Wonder Girl now well, that's the just thing, like, means it's obviously, that up a little more. Obviously it's the future when she's in Superman Wonder Woman because she's with John Superman right. it's and same with Justice League. But right. I, I think her book on her own like you could tell me, oh, that one we called it Future State, but really it's actually quite early in the story. That's yeah. that's what's so interesting to me. If you look at DC's timeline that they published, mm -hmm. the Wonder Woman Future State book with her is actually set after the uh, the the Superman Wonder Woman book, for example, and I think after the Justice League one as well. I hate the timeline. I wish they didn't publish yeah, that stupid too. thing. I, that's, I just wanted to do the Ron Burgundy gift where I don't believe you. Like, <laughs> I just, I, 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 it doesn't feel like it. It no. feels closer to origin than it does to that. You know, I'm I'm sick of hero. people telling me, mostly Connor. Oh, but on the official timeline is this here. I don't I don't ask. Go away. I don't care. Oh, DC shot. None of it's gonna matter DC. later. Yeah, none of it matters. Yeah. Not really. I get Just it. Let me love uh, Yara Floor. That's all. <laughs> I mean, you could still do that regardless of where yeah. where it is in the timeline. You can't stop me. Um, all I feel right. like we're gonna be very positive about that. But what what we what we rating this uh story and. Next Batman, Matt. Uh, I'm giving it an eight. Connor. Yeah, it's an eight from me as well. I will concur with the eight. Very solid. There we go. Good stuff. Uh, and we also, of course, read the Outsider story, uh, which mm -hmm. uh, is the continuation of Katana, Black Lightning, and Duke. Um, and Black Lightning's a living, you know, piece of lightning, <laughs> effectively. Right now, I I love the whole living lightning which? concept. Just before we go on, I should say Brandon Thomas and Sumit Kumar uh, yeah. art and, uh, writing an art on this story. Yes. Uh, well, it wasn't on the first page, so I got to it when we got to the credits page. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this uh, the first half of the book is a sec effectively a speech that, that Duke's given, and they kind of paint him as being someone who's a bit of a political figure now who, who tries to, you know, uh, gain a following, sort of resistance, all that kind of stuff. Is anyone getting weird White Knight vibes? A little bit. Like but... it took, it, it took like they, they took that concept of what they, what they did with Duke in that book and went, we can do better than that. Yeah, and and so... kind of make it more Duke. This is the most I've ever liked the character of Duke. And I feel like this is him being the signal. I feel this is what they were going for. Right? Mm. Where he is the the light in the dark that is Gotham. And here now he's using that as, hey, I'm on the outside but I'm going to inspire people here 
so we can make change in there. And I, I really like that approach. Uh, so this yeah. whole speech of, of him, and it's it's intercut with him, you know. I feel like he's giving the speech not here to these people, but it's similar. No, right? it's, 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 it's the bigger, grander. No, it's not. You see at the end where the speech was, it's, it's yeah. a recording from a speech he gave to a crowd. It's not a right. speech he's given yeah. to these three people. So he's, it, he's got, it feels like a crowd speech but the whole time. He's, he's, so he's, right. got, he's got these three people in a safe house. Uh, we know from the last issue that one of them is actually a, a double agent, right, for the, for the magistrate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's building up to that. It's cutting between that and Katana and Black Lightning, and he's, she's asking, you know, what will happen to you? And he kind of just sort of dodges the question, which tells me that that backup that's coming in whatever one of the Bat books... Uh, it's, uh, I think it's just part of the anthology. Oh, the anthology, yeah. whatever one it is. I've got a feeling that that may be tapping into some of this shit. Uh, yeah, come I think then. they mentioned he was like, it was a curse of some sort, right? He mentions his magic, but he, he doesn't really go into it. He, he very much sidesteps a lot of the actual specifics. Yeah. Um, but most notably, he actually, with his powers now, reassembles her sword, as well as the, her new sword, and infuses... Basically, if it not even just does that, but kind of becomes the swords. He becomes her two lightning swords, one of which was the one with the you know the dead husband, and one's the new right. one. Uh, so she ends up with these two lightning swords. <laughs> Getting real uh, Lord of the Rings vibes from the reforged sword thing here. So Duke sets up people in the safe house, he runs off... But he's smart enough to know, and something's a bit fishy about how easy the bridge thing was last issue, that he's put trackers on them. Immediately, the guy who is the culprit uh, comes after him, and he's got augmentation, sort of cyberpunk style. He's got, like, you know, a robotic eye, metal on his mm-hmm. legs, and, you know... And he's he's talking about how, once he turns him in, he can do more, which, again, gives it, like, do more augmentations, which gives it more of that cyberpunk vibe that we've been getting. Yeah, he's, he's in, straight like, up dark he's, detective. He's straight up a de- Deus Ex Ex Machina uh, kind of yeah. character. Yeah, uh, I just said Deus Ex. I meant Deus Ex, like Human Revolution. Slash. Uh, right. But right. Uh, uh, the video games, in case anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about. But yeah, so basically, Duke's on the run from this guy, or chasing down this guy because he, he doesn't want this guy to get back and actually give the information that he's collected. Uh, Kata- he calls in Katana. Katana brings Jefferson, of course, and her swords. And mm-hmm. one of the things we loved the most about that f- last part of this was the action. And when it gets to the bridge and it's the, the bike chases, Katana's on one bike, Duke's on the other. They're chasing down this guy who's running quite fast because, again, he's got augmented, like, you know, mm-hmm. cyborg legs. Um, and then, then Calibre shows up in, like, a tank. <laughs> and, oh, well, maybe more of a SUV. It, it- with the guns, yeah, but, but it's like a tank. Yeah, so you, you're you're forgiving. It's one. a it's a heavily modified vehicle. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's just all this, and you got Katana running with her big electric sword, and there's a great full page spread where she slices down the vehicle. And what I love about this, the detail on this page, because uh, obviously the motion and the layouts of all of this is fantastic. It flows so well. It last issue did, but my favorite thing about this is that if you look at the, the vehicle that's been split in half behind her that she just went through with her sword you can see the, the, the guy and the driver's side and the passenger side both falling out into the middle where there's now just a gaping hole <laughs> uh, yeah. it's a nice touch you can see all the I think there's, there's three people that you can see falling like one's grabbing onto one side one's on the left and one's above her yeah the one above I think he was like up on the gun or something up top yeah and he's yeah. Uh, he's flying in the air uh, so Calibre actually gets the hold of uh, the lightning sword and he's about to break it. Uh, he's, he's about to snap mm-hmm. it again. Uh, but, you know, Jefferson just sort of goes supernova and fries mm-hmm. him. He's, he's having none of it. As best he can. Yeah. So, so we get this big gorgeous page of the silhouette of him stabbing Calibre uh, and, and the blue lightning. 
everything's yeah. there. Um, I, I think what I like about this as well is there's some interaction between Jefferson and and Duke, where he feels like a proud dad. Like when he talks, when he hears about him doing his speeches and he's become a bit of a, a bit of a leader, he's like, oh, good for him. And you know, the book actually ends with him going off with uh, Duke uh, with uh, with the with the new sword. Uh, Katana keeps the old one, mm-hmm. uh, and we hear the end of the speech as Duke walks up to the city border, all the magistrate soldiers are like, oh, look who it is, you know, you know, come any closer and we'll shoot. And the final page is this full page spread of Jefferson kind of coming out of the sword and standing next to him, and Duke's just like, shoot then. And that's the end. But now that we know we're getting more Gotham stuff, it feels like there's a lot to continue here, shouldn't when they mm-hmm. want to. It does. We know we're going to get a story set earlier in the timeline than this in the, the anthology book. Right. But, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe after we get that Red Hood arc, there's going to be a, an outsider's arc in a future state book. That that wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, no, no, no. Follow on from this, especially yeah. when he comes in when Duke crosses that bridge, and he's wearing the sword across his back. I got big Final Fantasy vibes. Do you know, no, it's, it, no, I get that. It's the yeah. shape of the sword. It's the uh-huh. uh, it's the point at the end that makes yeah. it look like a, a cloud sword. Yeah, and he's just you know hands behind his back, calm as can be, just walking in there, and then to have uh, you know. Living Lightning, Jeff is just—it's it's so, so cool. cool. He's just—he's just strolling in his jacket. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Nah, I got this." Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's neat. Um, and it, because at the end, when you hear the rest of this speech, you realize where it's come from. It's the, it's the two people who are actually not—you know—the two people in the safe house who weren't the bad guy, who are just watching one of his speeches on YouTube or whatever. Um, and then the speeches, you know, you know, I'm Duke Thomas. I'm the signal. Uh, we'll take back Gotham City. We can keep fighting that sort of thing. Um, it's really solid. It, it's, it's another part of the the the, the corner, and it's it's characters. You know, Duke's a relatively new character, but even Jefferson and uh, Katana, they're, they're not exactly characters who were getting a, their fair share of time in comic books for for the mm-hmm. longest period there. So it's kind of nice that these, these literal kind of like oddballs, uh, dare I say, outsiders, uh, mm-hmm. are getting a chance to kind of shine a little bit. I think it's safe to say Katana is better on the Outsiders than she ever was on the Suicide Squad for a few years. Oh, oh for sure. Because yep. um, well, that's, that's never... the thing. She's been a pretty consistent presence in comics for the last decade or so mm-hmm. between those teams. But she was just kind of there on the Suicide Squad. Well, she she really never felt well. like she belonged on the Suicide Squad, even as like a, you know, you need a couple good guys to keep them in line. I think that was kind of the point, right? She was meant to be like yeah. the Suicide And I was like, that's not her, though. You know, yeah. like she's with Batman and, you know, Batman tells her, you know, no, you're not going to be lopping off dudes heads here, you know, so. I mean, yeah, just it's I, always so weird. I conceptually get the idea of we need a good character or two in the Suicide Squad to keep the rest of them in line. But mm-hmm. I think the sad part is, is that with, with, the, with the exception of when Suicide Squad happens to be good, which unfortunately, other than the Tom Taylor book, we've not felt that which, case in a long time. By the way, they're, they're collecting all in one single hardcover. So, uh, should should all get that. Uh-huh. Well, to, to finish my sentence, rude. <laughs> but to finish my sentence, um, I, I, it ultimately, we're not happy when someone's saddled with the Suicide Squad. It doesn't even matter. Technically, the concept of why they're there might be fine, but ultimately, oh, they're saddled with the Suicide Squad team. So I, it just means I'm not going to get to read them for a couple of years, if not many years. So, uh, you know. Nice. Pretty much, yeah. But, uh, no, this was a, a great story. My, my only critique or complaint is that it bothered me that there was a panel. It was when he was talking, uh, Duke was talking to the 
you know, the three people in the apartment. He's like, all right, I'm leaving you all this stuff, you know, clothes, whatever. And he mentions walking around money. And then in the same dialogue, you know, bubble, it says, but don't leave this place. Why did you give him walking around money then? Like, use that phrase. Right. Like, that, that seems like such a weird thing to give them if you're telling them to stay in here. Well, when it says to leave this place, maybe it means you can go to the, the, the little shop down the street. You can go there for supplies. Right. I, I got the impression he meant don't leave this apartment, like this building, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, you must be. <laughs> Otherwise, it makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, it didn't make any sense to me. That was my, my complaint. That's, that's why it bothered me. <laughs> and the cross is still missing. Still missing yeah. to this day. Look. If you were going to bring that up, you should have done it in the last story, where they were actually in a goddamn church. <laughs> Alright, Matt, what would you like to rate this story? Uh, I'm going to give this one 8.5. I just, it's, it's thoroughly enjoyable, oh, and I just in. love the outsiders. I held them in one, that's interesting. Yeah, Connor? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm lining up exactly with Matt on both stories, apparently. I don't like this. Also, also an 8.5. It won't last, <laughs> don't worry. Um... I I'll probably go probably just with straight again. I think for me on this one, um, but really good stuff. Uh, so I mean, can't really rate the book as a whole per se. Although we're ranking at the end, we still kind of have to consider it as as. We'll give it still a, a number. We we did all the other books, but we didn't read everything. I I mean I guess, but what other books did I not read everything? In? Well, maybe you didn't, but me and Matt often didn't read all the stories, and we still gave it numbers. Yeah, remember we, we averaged it out of the two. Sure, okay. Well, fine. I mean... So I'll, I'll just give this one a, a, an 8. Alright, there you go. Connor. Yeah, see? Also give it an 8. I'll also give... I mean, I give both stories an 8. Why wouldn't I give the, the whole thing an 8? I mean... <laughs> you know Connor's, like, actually at the 6. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, that last story was so bad, even though I didn't read it, I have to drag it down multiple points. Uh, uh, I, I thumbed through it and went, this is not for me. <laughs> like, I, I, I literally didn't even do that. It. I just, I yeah. closed the issue as soon as I got yeah. to the end of this story. I was like, okay, I'm done. Oh, man. All right. Uh, Future State of Superman and Metropolis issue two. I think Matt's the only one who read this. So, uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you not read it? I had to read Flash, so that just crossed this one off the list. Did you read it, Connor? No, I said last week I wasn't going to read it because gotcha, I, gotcha. I didn't really like the main story in, in the first issue. The only right. thing I really liked from it was the uh, the Mr. Miracle bit and that's not enough to move. I was it. vaguely curious how the story was going to wrap up but not enough because it was a really dense read last time so I just I didn't have time. Yeah. Uh, so, go on, Matt. Tell us about it. What happened? So, so it starts with uh, their, him and Brain Cells are up on the ship and Brain Cells has kind of created like a organic area to keep like the city alive um and that he's like conserving it and then john realizes how much of a mistake this actually was that he just kind of played into his hands and that you know um he's gonna protect metropolis not brain cells and then so they get to fighting and brain cells ends up creating clones of superman but from the different eras which is really cool um so there's four of them that he ends up having to fight, and you know, one of them's the Golden Age Superman, and then you have the uh, you know, the next like the 50s era because he mentions the Red Scare, and then there's the Superman that you know died fighting Doomsday, and then the Superman that died in Reborn, so you know, the the one that was from Rebirth, 
Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, and they're all faceless, so they're just like the, the costumes on a faceless, you know. Oh, so you've got that one last one without the red trunks. Yeah. And and so they're all fighting. You know, he fights, and uh, Kara wakes up in the fortress with the you know the the, the Keelix robots all around, and she has you know more of a personality change than from the the first one, from the first issue, and she kind of comes to terms with like, yeah, I you know not in the right headspace, but she goes off to save uh, John, well to help John, not necessarily save, but you know as as John's fighting these versions of his dad is that. He kind of has this realization, like, you know, being Superman's son seems like an easy thing, but you're always going to be in his shadow, no matter, like, and that's not because of Superman. It's because you're Superman's son. Like, just the public perception. And that's his big issue here. The whole reason that he, you know, tried to save Metropolis in this way was it's kind of the opposite of what his dad would do. And because he has to define himself, um, and he's, you know, come to terms while he's getting his butt kicked, um, with, with, you know, with brain cells there. Um, so they charge, so he gets brain cells to charge up the neurodium, which is that, you know, the synthetic kryptonite has kind of the same deals. I'll be um, honest. Which, I'd yeah. forgotten that it was even called brain cells in this. And yeah. that made me chuckle yeah. because I was like, that's just a stupid name. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, but basically, that's, you know, that takes out the Superman. But, you know, Kara starts flying through space with the, uh, like, the basically the enlargement gun that they were using, like the cannon from, well, you don't know, but in action when they shrunk the the, uh, <laughs> the Invisible Mafia, right? So she has that, <laughs> and it ends up getting destroyed. Um, but so she comes in uh, while John's finishing off the whole brain cells fight um and i'm trying to remember it's one of the first things i read this week um but basically she she ends up helping john basically talk brain cells into this um and they re-enlarge the city right he takes the city um puts it back over there and realizes that i'm sorry he's not going to be enough so <laughs> oh no shit yeah and that so it's you know actions not words so as you know he goes into the city he starts fixing things you know he he starts putting stuff back he's you know like he's fixing the pipes um he's going through um like there's floods so he starts clearing the water and then it ends with you know him making the commitment that he's jonathan kent the superman of metropolis you know as the, the crowd kind of starts to look up at him like he's his dad. So now he's kind of achieved that, you know, the whole, I feel like the whole point of the story was him coming to terms with being Superman's son and that he's not going to ever be his dad, but being his best, he'll get close. And so, you know, it ends with the people looking up at him. Um, so I, I enjoyed it. It's not like, as I was reading it, I was like, this definitely feels like one of those, <sighs> During during like Connor brought up earlier convergence, like there's some cool stuff at play here, but I hope this is not what the Superman books are going to focus on, and I'm pretty sure because this is John and not Clark. It yeah, kind of feels like DC we're safe. doesn't want John to be Superman in in, in right. a lot of ways, and that, that, that yeah. this is kind of a showcase of why he shouldn't be in some right. regards. 
Kind of. I mean, even just ignoring that, the fact that the ongoing writer for both books is in the other Superman book, which has got a completely right. different style and focus and yeah. everything, I, I feel like you're probably so, okay. You're safe here. I, it doesn't yeah. technically contradict this book, the other one. No. No. Um, but it has a lot more heart and understanding of Superman. That leaves me hopeful. Yeah. So... But no, just just this whole thing with him coming to terms, and then Kara apologizing. You know, I, I kind of skipped over that too. When she shows up with the ray gun, the shrink ray, you know, um, just like she's like, yeah, that's kind of out of character for me. So I don't know if that was like a mea culpa from the writer being like, yeah, in that first issue she wasn't written right. Let me <laughs> let me try to fix it. Yeah, um, I felt that a little bit in the issue. So yeah, so but yeah, but just the way it ends, and then it's the uh, John Tim's art, which I I enjoy. His version of, of John, because um, it is, it is kind of the fusion of Superman and Connor that we you know we got his Connor throughout Young Justice, so um, and I just feel like it fits with the action at play here, like him fighting all the different versions of his dad is a real fun sequence, so um, but yeah, this story's kind of I don't want to say forgettable, but just I'm trying to come up with a nicer word than that it, it's kind of expendable in that expendable. is that worse <laughs> than, uh, than, you know but um I, I still enjoyed what i read like i'm not upset that i read it um it's just... i'm glad the art's decent still mm-hmm. because uh john timms is doing the uh the spine story in the yeah. infinite frontier zero issue yeah timms is good so um so i'm gonna give this a seven out of you know to, to rate it and then I can move on to the Mr. Miracle story, which anticlimactic considering that we got like basically part three before we got part two. Um, so yeah, that, that's annoying. It, it's, it, the yeah. funny thing is, when we get to that other Superman Worlds of War book, like maybe I'll still read Mr. Miracle, but part of me feels like. I don't know. I've only read parts one and three. I feel weird reading part four now that I, I've misskipped miss- yeah. part I, two. I'll probably still read it because I've already seen. I, I already read three and enjoyed three. I might as well read four. That's the one that follows on directly. Two, yeah, right. two's clearly the most skippable part because <laughs> you skipped it and, and, and so, didn't notice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this is uh, Brandon Easton and Valentine Delandro on art, um, and it's just it continues Shiloh Norman trying to escape through Metropolis. Is his mother box is you know depleting its energy. Uh, he does some fun tricks where, like, he, uh, he ends up initiating, uh, what's it called? I'm trying to find it. A, a light pulse, which ends up scattering, like, his image across a, a, a spectrum. Almost like, you know, a, rain, a light, like, a sunray through a, a raindrop. So it confuses these robots that he's been fighting. Um, and he ends up coming across this guy that we see early on in the book that's wearing, you know, like a bandana and a hat. And telling him, you know, hey, I'm glad you're here, because um, we see that this dude is painting Superman S's all over the city, and um, so he he talks to him about, you know, all the weird stuff that's going on here, you know, um, robots show up and start knocking him around. Uh, he goes goes through and realizes like if he uses the rest of his power in the mother box, he might be able to break through this barrier, but then it's spent. So he decides he's going to try it anyways. Um, and he takes out all the robots, doesn't pierce 
the the shield though um but when when they ask what or he asked the mother box what the material is that's surrounding the city he it responds that it's kryptonian and as that comes through he gets boom tubed out which i'm assuming what leads to warworld in part you know whatever the next one is in uh but part it's three. really been that difficult to put part two in Worlds of War issue one and then part three no. in Superman and Metropolis my, issue my own, two. My only assumption is, is they wanted of... to keep these parts that are set in Metropolis in the Metropolis mm-hmm. book and the ones that are set on World World. Because it's, it's like they're avert to doing part one of a backup in one book and then part two of a backup in another book because they're doing it right away with Superman in action when we get... I mean, even this, they're doing it part one and part three in a different book. Yeah, yeah. so... I, I just it's a weird choice yeah. it's just it's weird that you can buy the book get part three and go oh shit i shouldn't read this shit mm-hmm. because part two is not out <laughs> yeah for, for another two or three weeks whatever yeah. it was at the right. time yeah so uh he gets boom tubed out and then uh turns out the guy that was spray painting is jimmy olsen and you know he's you know the s is watching so uh this one the, the art is great i mean just like last time there's like the when he splits his image with the light it looks really cool. Like it's very because of the way that it's colored, it gave me Mr. Miracle, you know, Tom King, Garrett's vibes, just with the way that it's colored and drawn. You have the the thick lines here that make it, you know, different than the, the Garrett stuff. But um the story I guess is just okay. Like again, I don't think not knowing him ending up in War War World would change this because it's just, you know, him fighting robots and then trying to get out of the bubble. And then, oh, okay, the robot's caught up with me. So it's just very repetitive. Um, so I'll, I'll give this one a, a six. Um, which leads to the Guardian story, which uh, is by Sean Lewis and Coley uh, Hamner, which I always want to say Hammer, but, you know, the M oh, That's the all right. N. Pete usually yeah. does. Gotcha. <laughs> But yeah, so I'll say uh, hammer if people... I want to say hammer. All right, it's not his name. He doesn't like it. <laughs> so, anyways, Guardian ends up uh, in the West River, south of Metropolis University. You know, and the uh, what's her name, Honest. Uh, let me find it. Uh, I think it's Honest. I'll I'll be honest. This yeah. was the least memorable part of that first issue because yeah. everything else you've spoken about so far. Mm-hmm. I've, I've at least followed along with i'm like yeah okay i remember pretty well what everything was um yeah this guardian story i remember reading it mm-hmm. i don't remember what happened at all in that first so i remember story. going into this one i didn't refresh i uh, i remembered that the honest mary had jimmy on top of the globe right and then uh on the top of the daily planet you remember more than me i'll tell you yeah that. <laughs> and that she was going to basically execute him live on twitch or whatever and uh, so Guardian ended up in, in the river. He gets saved by this group of, of people and they give him his stuff. And you find out that they're all from different like boroughs of Metropolis. And they've come together to try to figure out how to fix the city while they're in, you know, the bubble still. And that, you know, each of them bring their own different expertise. So, you know, one of them knows that the the firehouse and baker line has nets so they could surround the building you know and then one of the other guys says that the school uh science lab was working on a project with star labs 
we got a climbing pack, which ends up being like two Doc Ock arms, you know, that allow Guardian to get up there when he needs to. And then Suicide Slum has a police outpost. One of the people brings up that they can send the emergency signals and uh, there's a communication studio in Hell's Gate um, so they can get the message out and whatnot. So Guardian suits up with people in Metropolis and um, they've all, people in Metropolis have gathered around the building, you know, to, to you know, witness what's going to happen with Jimmy Olsen. But uh, Guardian climbs up there with the climbing pack <laughs> ends up getting up there and just knocking the shit out of Honest Mary, which is kind of funny when you think about it, because he doesn't even hesitate. Um, it's almost like uh, Nick Cage in the bear suit in, in Wicker Man, just <laughs> running up. Uh, <laughs> and Not so the reference she, I was expecting today. No. Uh, so uh, she goes to take Jimmy out, uh, you know, knocks him out of his chair. Guardian leaps while he's still anchored. Of course, saves him. But... Um, she blows up the the uh, Daily Planet globe uh, and gets away. Uh, but, you know, the people of Metropolis have come together, and that's the whole point of each four of those from the different areas, and they end up finally catching her, and Guardian comes and arrests her. Um, and then right as this starts to resolve, they're like, okay, well, we'll, uh, we'll start trying to get back to normal as best as we can. And Jimmy starts... You know, pie shakes for everybody, and uh, and this is how not how bad this issue was, but this is what stuck out the most was this little interaction between Guardian and Jimmy, where Guardian's like pie shakes. He's like, yeah, I invented him. You put an entire pie into the blender, and it's like the most Jimmy Olsen that he's been in these issues. You know, kind of the Jimmy that I got used to in in the the Maxi series. You know, mm -hmm. with like kind of the non sequiturs. Um, but as, as they're res, uh, resolving everything, that's where John comes through and it, it shows a different angle of him saying that he owes them an apology and um, the people of Metropolis who are all gathered already, you know, start to celebrate that Superman's back. Um, I'll give this one a six as well, just because like Connor brought it. It's not that memorable and I had to definitely go through the issue again to remember what exactly had happened. Um, art's fine. Hamner's art tends to be okay, but it's a little bit better when it's more like street level, like his question stuff that he had done with, with Rucka, mm. uh, during convergence weirdly was like some of my favorite I've seen from Cole Hamner. So, uh, yeah. So this book as a whole, yeah, uh, seven and two sixes, I'll give it a 6.5. Solid logic. I can't. I can't really fault it that much. No. Um. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Superman Metropolis issue two. Uh. Much better news though. Future State Wonder Woman issue two. Joel Jones, of course, uh, on the writing and the art here, and we ended with the cliffhanger of the Cerebus waking up, mm -hmm. uh, which she diffuses with a bone, as you do with many dogs. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Not just any boat, though. She goes and takes the the uh, ferryman's arm um, mm -hmm. to, to, to play catch. She uses her you know, uh, baller lasso. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then hijacks. Uh, uh, Kipora doesn't come, though. Uh, gives us some advice mm -hmm. on her journey, but doesn't come. Um, and I don't think... Did the first issue ever actually make it very clear exactly who she was looking for? Or... 
No. Yeah, I don't think no, so. No, it just said someone that was close to her. I think yeah. it was yeah. just a, you know, a friend or a partner. They didn't actually make it clear at any point. Yeah, but she falls down to the piss of hell, and I have to say, like, they are when Hades, this, this interpretation of Hades shows up, uh, is next level stuff. And I think... Oh, thank God. I thought you were going to criticize it then. I was like, oh, no, 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 better not. Well, no, here's the thing. When it comes to dealing with mythological stuff like this, I always prefer when it feels otherworldly and big and scary and almost incomprehensible, because that's how it should feel. Once you start sort of nailing it down exactly what it is, I, I kind of feel like it, it robs it of all mystique. Um... And this is kind of, you know, that is this, this mystique. He's, you know, he's all shadowy figures, and he's, he's intimidating and tall. The he's crown of he's the scary. Eyes. He looks like yeah. I don't know how how much like supernatural stuff you guys are, you know, aware of, but like the whole concept of, of shadow people, you know, that are just out of the corner of your eye, mm-hmm. and you know, sometimes people feeling sleep paralysis feel them. That's the vibe I was getting from this Hades. I uh, right. I love that the the lettering for him as well is huge, just to show just yeah. how it's, it's, it gives the impression of a big booming voice because he's so yeah. big. Jeez, uh, <laughs> the computers are rebelling. Yeah, <laughs> the computers yeah. don't understand shadow people apparently. No, not not at all. That was that was weird because usually the watch only goes off when I pull it up to my mouth to talk, like Dick Tracy, right? That just went rogue. So I, um, I'm gonna have to do a cleansing. Even before Hades shows up, though, she's fallen in front of the the judges. Yep. Who we got we got Minos there for sure. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. sure who the others are meant to be at this point, because uh, mm-hmm. the thing in Greek mythology is that the judges can change depending on who's there at any given time. You know, people can be elevated to that position. Right. Yeah, uh, and then of course Persephone is very bright red with the flowers, very different to everything else in the surroundings. I, um, I love the the glow that surrounds her, like. The background just completely fades away, and you get just like a it's pink glow. Like, because even the uh, yeah. a lot of the background has the the kind of the, the pop art dots that are used. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a recurring thing in the issue in general, yeah. but directly around her, they're gone or they're completely faded at least. Um, mm-hmm. And it is just that pinky red aura that, that just shows the light that she's bringing through. Yeah, uh, who convinces Hades to let Yara actually look for the, the lost soul that she's looking for. Uh, and I think one of the, the effective things about the art is, particularly when she's in the sea of hands of the Lost Souls looking for, you know, we eventually get this sort of flashback. She has to think of the final moments with this person mm-hmm. uh, who That's turns true. out to be a, a fellow, uh, I don't know if it's literal sister or just sister in the sense of, you know, each Amazonian, Amazonian sister. Amazonian yeah. sister, yeah. 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 Like, Diana uh, calls all of them sisters, so. Yeah, that's why I wasn't sure exactly. But certainly someone she's close to, uh, all of the Amazons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... You know, it's her death. It's weird. She's fallen off a cliff and Yara's trying to lift her up, but there's someone going to stab Yara from behind. So she makes this choice. The sister makes this choice to jump back and throw her spear up and kill the, the, the attacker. But it does mean falling to her death. And that's kind of this tragic, you know, there's all this sort of watercolor red looking art. It's, you know, really different <laughs> yeah. from the rest of it. And and it's why Yara is here and feels so guilty. She died mm-hmm. saving her. That's mm-hmm. why she's come on this you know, quest to get her back. And you know, you've got that really demonic thing when she does get her back and she pulls her out of the pit. That that again, going back to Hades, that red and black scream, that panel is yep. is wonderful. What, what I love about the art for this point though. And they're fighting these weird like shadow demon spider things that are chasing them. Uh is that everything in the background is all these blacks and 
you know dark blues and greys and it's these you know, and then the spiders themselves are just pitch black there's no detail on them they're just shadows um, just the occasional red eyes kind of like hades mm-hmm. himself um is that her costume is still very detailed and colorful so both of them always stand out and it's interesting that the sister and as well we see the rest of the sort of like their amazons at the end of the issue they all have the exact same color scheme they have different sort of variations of what the outfit is mm-hmm. in terms of what it covers where, where there's parts and where there's not the but blue it, red and gold yeah it's yep. always the same color scheme. but the colors pop on her so much against all these backgrounds uh mm-hmm. when they're running out of this 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 cave system so I'm, I'm really intrigued by the sound effect they use for the spiders because they use like a, yeah. a flicker flicker and i've i've never seen that before it's always a clicking sound usually yeah uh, that's pretty pretty unique and i'm like huh i uh i, I like that uh i'd like to see more you know comics with the with the mm-hmm. spider hordes use the plicker okay more pl- more pl- plicking for connor uh yeah but her sister gets stuck beneath a sort of cave in like you know rocks come down and it's, trap her she is still like halfway through yeah yeah so she has it to have this also it, it reminded me of the story of morpheus yeah or orpheus orpheus and yeah, where they tell him you could go and get your your wife from the underworld, but you can't look back. Yeah, you know, I, I was going to say I don't remember this being in the Matrix. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, Orpheus. No, no, no. Uh, he, he goes down to get uh, Eurystheus, I think her name is, uh-huh. uh, who is his muse, and mm-hmm. basically Hades says, "All right, fine, she'll follow you out of the underworld. You just have to climb, you know, a million stairs, whatever it is, and when you get out, she'll be there with you. She'll be right behind you the whole time. But if you look back, mm-hmm. she'll be stuck here forever." Yeah. And and the idea is he goes, you know, most of the way, he gets right to the end, thinking, you know, she's not there. He can't hear her at any point. Uh-huh. He looks back at, right just before he gets to the out, uh, exit, and of course she was there the whole time. But mm-hmm. now he's looked back, so she's stuck there, uh, and, and that's the, the price that the, uh, he has to pay. And, yeah, so just the whole, you know, that's Hades' like, go-to trick, you yeah. know? So here, here he adds a collapse onto it, too, you know, but... Yeah, it, it's the idea that you can get close to the exit. The 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 hope yeah, is not. the worst part. Yeah, uh, that that's why you know he gets off on the suffering almost mm-hmm. of of letting them think they're going to succeed and then ultimately you know pulling it away from them because once the souls are his, they're his, and mm-hmm. it's, it's it's very rare for any soul to get out of the Greek underworld. Yeah, I mean we have you know the the heart goodbye again she has to essentially say goodbye again you know again like you know, she, she already did this once with the, with the falling to her death uh and her sister's actually fairly happy about it uh in the sense that you know like you get to live you you know you get to go and be better yeah, yeah. accepting is probably a yeah. better word than happy but... yeah yeah I mean, but like yeah. you know so it's, but they are here as yara's pulled away by her sisters who are pulling her out of hell and you just see like the you know the sister she was trying to save just the the like the colors from her outfit are fading and they're almost just as gray as the rocks that are surrounding her uh mm-hmm. as the crash is happening at the bottom of that page and then yeah i was just yelling and crying in front of everyone uh and yeah. even, actually the the rocks as well at the side of the cave making a skull uh also yeah, a nice yeah, touch. yeah it makes the hades face essentially yeah. um because mm-hmm. you know the entrance to the underworld that's that's such a nice touch yep uh, why kind of late here? So our, our our Pegasus uh shows up, uh, Jerry, uh, and sort of cheers her up a little bit. But when that happens, like all the other Amazons are all gone, and I was wondering, like, were they literally there, or was that more of a spiritual thing of like them yeah. pulling her out? But they're not really physically there. 
Yeah, I mean that that could be. I think you can take it either way because it completely fades away for when the Pegasus comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could take it as they were there, and now the Pegasus is here. Like it's almost like there's a bit of a time jump after she's she's been sat there crying for however long, yeah. and the Amazons have left her. Which is a bit cruel. Pegasus they just left us sitting there crying. It's a bit on the cold side. <laughs> I, I think it's more just they felt like maybe she had to deal with her grief alone. Mm. Uh, maybe, maybe it was understanding rather than cruelty. Yeah. So. Yeah, and so some of the stuff, uh, you know, some of the narration talks about how humans started telling stories because once they learned, it's like they it used to be the whim of the gods, whether or not it was warm or cold, but then they developed fire, you know, or not developed, sorry, one of the. Whether or not it was Prometheus that yeah. gave it to them. Uh, right. I, I actually think it's really interesting, this narration at the end, because the whole time it's been in the, the Wonder Woman font, right? You know, with the right. yellow background. And at the end, it starts to shift to orange and then red. And that final moment as it's shifting into red you get uh kaipora who is in there you know who has a red speech bubble and the, and the implications that maybe she's been telling the story the whole time or at that's least some I, of it yeah that's what i got from uh at least that's from this at least the story about the gods and the fire and telling stories because right. our final point is wrapping up that thought this is you know why human you know human nature is to continue telling stories and you know so yeah but it's interesting because up until this point we've assumed it was wonder woman because it's in the the gold with the red outline which right. you know it, it is standard well, woman narration and, and as far as we know she's in the realm of the gods so of yeah. course she's going to be able to tell the story you know um but no so just that whole tag at the end of why humans tell stories and like you know having just read a story you know it's just it's a nice little capper you know like and and unlike a lot of the future state books this week that you know end with you know the end it's only the mm-hmm. beginning as it says and uh I'm very excited to see more Yara Claw in the uh, yeah. in the ongoing line. Yeah, that's just for like a taste, like a proof of concept of a sense of who she is. Uh, with act- pilot. with actual stories left um, to be telling. Uh, so we kind of skipped over her doing the magic trick. Oh, with the finger. Uh, <laughs> yeah, at the beginning, that cracked me up. It's she also, uh, I mean, maybe it comes, I love her. Maybe it comes from something else first, but all I could think of is her quoting Pulp Fiction. Uh, when she's trying to pull her mm-hmm. sister out from the rocks, uh-huh. she says, she has, uh, you know, have you out in two shakes of a lamb's tail, I think is the line, uh, which just makes me yeah. think of Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, just, she continues to be a fantastic character. And Connor and... just put it down a whole point because he's realized there's a Tarantino reference. No, because I'm not sure that is a Because <laughs> that's something that people have said for, a, it feels like they've said for, you know, forever i mean i'm not i don't know if it is a tarantino line i want to ask Joel jones what inspired that line was it the old school nature of it or is it because you like it from pulp fiction i, I think even if even if it did come from pulp fiction i don't actually know if it was around before that or not it's kind of entered standard like yeah i've seen so many people say that that not in reference to pulp fiction but just just say that I have literally never heard anyone say it except Pulp Fiction, which is why really? all I thought of it was Pulp Fiction. Oh, okay, I, I've heard it a lot, so uh, it's not something I associate with Pulp Fiction. <laughs> but fair enough, uh, if it's from that. I mean, I'm I don't know if it is, but I have, I have never heard it come out of anyone's mouth, other than that movie. Huh. I have. <laughs> Quite a lot, so I, I didn't realise, yeah. yeah. Hanging around with a bunch of hipsters is what you're doing, uh, <laughs> by the sounds of it. Um, yes, the hipsters that quote Tarantino all day. Hipsters like Tarantino. I mean, more or less, they're they're more often than not though they're probably gonna share the the Leo meme now more than quote certain things. So 
It's a good meme. Yeah, I know it is. I I do it inadvertently now. Yeah. <laughs> when I just point at something. So, you know. Yeah. What's funny, Matt, is actually your emoji on the live stream channel is you pointing. Yeah. So when anyone anyone says anything they want yeah. to add a bit of pointing kind of energy to they'll okay. use your emoji I, I i approve yes uh so uh what are we future state what are we issue two matt what are you rating it so i i, I believe i gave the last one a 10 um Whoa. this one while it, it didn't hit as as hard it's still really good and i'm, I'm gonna go oh all while and give it a 9.5 connor i am um breaking from my tradition this episode of siding with matt on the scores exactly and i'm just giving 10. it a straight nine oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes I, I, I think it's very good yeah i'm giving it a straight nine which i was that what i gave the last one or did i give it 9.5 i can't remember I but... think me and matt maybe both gave it the 10 and you gave it the 9.5 yeah hmm so it's very good i actually would say that maybe those those moments the art shines a bit more in this issue but I think I enjoyed. Uh, there was more of our kind of playful banter in the first one, I think, which is really spoke to us yeah. even more so. So, for sure. Uh, but uh, a lot to be excited about with the Arrow Floor. So that's uh, Future State Wonder Woman issue two. Future State The Flash issue two. <laughs> Good Brandon, luck. Brandon Vietti writing with Will Conrad and Brandon Pearson on the art. Uh, so I was going to read this, and I should have shut my mouth because when I was asked on stream yesterday, "Oh, are you going to read Flash issue 2? I was like, "No, never, never doing it." Uh, and then David for Patreon, because every month on Patreon.com/slash/MailFestTV, you can make myself a Connor read a book for one of the, the higher tiers. Um, decide to give Connor a month off since he had no replacement for Red Hood ready, uh, and give me Flash Future State issue two. So, it's funny. I mean, I did, it did come back to me quite quickly, but I'd kind of forgotten a lot of what the first issue was uh, to begin Blissfully with. Blissfully so have I. Yes. Uh, mainly because I thought I didn't have to remember it, I propose, uh, and that meant I just, you know, let myself forget it. Uh, so, Barry is assembling more of the villain's weapons and tech so he can eventually take on Wally, who is possessed with an evil entity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about all of this. It's coming back to me. Oh no, I, I remember it because yes. you know. I, I I think I willfully forgot it to be honest. Yes. Lucky Reminder you. that it started with him. Well, Wally killing Jay he killed Bart last issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's actually references early on in this issue to him killing Max Mercury, uh, to Iris leaving and probably being killed by Wally after she left. Uh, oh, he doesn't know for sure. <laughs> It's just like oh, endless yeah. misery. The stars like, oh my god, why? No one wants to read this. No one wants remember? this to be a flash story. Remember when uh, Johns made uh, Barry the paragon of hope in Blackest Night? Good times. Uh, so he gears up and he's basically got this ridiculous outfit on. He's got like boomerangs strapped to his chest. He's got, like, uh, trickster boots on. He's got the thinker's helmet on. He's got other... He's got, like, weather wizard techs attached to things. He looks... This sounds terrible. Ridiculous. And he goes to find Wally. Wally grabs his helmet quickly, though. And the the helmet looks like Jay's helmet, but it's actually got thinker tech in it. So, whatever. And... Basically, 
like the middle chunk of this issue kind of falls into a trap that some bad issues of Flash do fall into, and Williamson fell into this trap a bit himself, which is you spend less time actually knowing what's going on, so then getting excited by what the story's doing and what it's, you know, the turns and twists. And instead we have pages of action happening as the exposition explains why each thing is, what each thing actually is doing, because you would never just know it. <laughs> so it's like, ah, so I zap him with weather wizard technology. He tries to grab my boot and mirror master technology beams out. Oh, rainbow raider beams out my eyes. And it's just, it's constantly explaining what the tech is that's happening as he's using it. Uh, you know, Count Vertigo blasts or something at one point, uh, he hits him with, and then, yeah, then he creates duplicates using Mirror Master Tech. The whole thing is just endless exposition of what he's doing, uh, without any of it actually, you know, I love when we establish rules and mechanics and then use those mechanics in a scene where we understand the shorthands, we understand what's going on, and it's used to create effects up and down. Uh, eventually he thinks he's talking to, like, Wally's, like, real soul? Uh, who, like, falls in his arms, but then it turns out to be him. It's actually, I think, was it Famine's the name of the, the spirit? Barry, basically, to try and win this fight, realizes that he has to just essentially paralyze Wally so that this spirit can't do anything with his body. This... This spirit, this ties in with the stuff that was in the, the Teen Titans one, right? Yes. Yes, yes. We're, I'm getting to that. There's, there's... Uh, oh, okay. There's more direct stuff. I'm getting to that. So this spirit steps out of Wally's body, and this, 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 so, this is such a goddamn wordy issue. The, the spirit then says to Barry, that, or Barry realizes through after, he, after, after the spirit monologues for ages, uh, Barry has this realization now this thing feeds off of hope, or feeds off like hope being taken away, and that's why it's feasting on the Flash family because Barry keeps having hope that he can save Wally, and he keeps failing, and then it wants to try and take Barry. And there's, there's a panel where he's looking down at Wally's like paralyzed body, and the ghosts of all the Flash family that have been killed over the years are looking down at him, <laughs> and and he's like. It, it, it ends up talking about the four horsemen of the goddamn apocalypse and how famine's one of them. And but, but anyway, the spirit basically takes Barry's body, but maybe turns it into Wally's body. That part confuses me. But what he's done to Barry is that Barry's effectively now been phased out of his body and is effectively a ghost. It's, it's, it's through the speed force. It's through time speed force stuff. But so, he's a, so what you're saying is this issue boils down to a speed force, bro. I ain't gonna explain shit. But he's effectively <laughs> a ghost. Well, no, because most of the issues explain all the tech that he's got. So I, I wouldn't even say that. The vast majority of the issues, other stuff. But Barry is effectively a ghost and is now going to have to watch as this evil entity in Wally's body runs around feeding off of all hope on the planet until it eventually kills everything. And the very end of the issue is that uh, Cybeast, if you remember, this is the combination of Cyborg and mm-hmm. uh, Beast oh, Boy, yeah. uh, shows up to where this all happened and picks up Barry's ring, which is just sort of sitting on the ground, and says, oh, we've lost Barry Allen, but I, he sent me a bunch of intel before he before he disappeared. Uh, so we can now use that to try and, you know, save save the world, you know, fight for a better tomorrow. 
So I'm sure that's what pops up in the, the Teen Titans two-parter uh, that's coming up. Yeah, I just vaguely remember, you know, because Famine is one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and that was a whole thing in those issues. And I remember them mentioning that Flash was going to tie in. Yes. Uh, this was a painful read from start to finish. It's, it's painful conceptually because it's just so miserable and just so mean-spirited to every single member of the Flash family. It's painful because, from a writing perspective, it's just constant exposition about why things are happening. One of the worst things about Flash as a character, and I love the Flash as a character, but one of the worst things about him in the comics is that sometimes the writers fall into the trap of just constantly having to explain the science of how he's doing something because he's doing something new that he's never done before. Um, And it kind of does that here, but it's not about Flash powers. Instead, it's just the tech. But it's the same trap. It's the same thing. It's just pages and pages of, ah, and now I use this device. Then I use this device. Yes. And then the actual famine explaining the hope and like everything about it. I it's a thoroughly unpleasant read. It's not well written, it's overly wordy, there's monologues left and right. Uh it, it's it, it just all means nothing. It all is it, just, it all feels meaningless by the end of it. And then <laughs> the the art's not like offensive or the art's, you know, fine. I, nothing wrong with the question. art. Can we talk about some good comics again, please? <laughs> I'll move on when I'm ready to move on. Shut your ginger mouth. So, this... <sighs> hey, David. If any more outbursts out of Pete like that, make him read this again. <laughs> this issue over and over. <sighs> this, this, is, this is the definition of trash comics. Is what it is, and it's not that it's the, the worst. It's not even the worst written or the worst art ever. Like, they are perfectly serviceable. The writing's pretty effy because it is so wordy, but it's not the worst writing ever by any means. It's just conceptually, everything is so goddamn ill-advised that nothing can save it. I thought this was a good idea. I don't know. Oh, and. The idea that the main flashbook might in any way try to set any of this crap up or reference it basically means it's an instant drop. The second that yep. starts and to look towards you know, us. I, know I think they need a break from Flash. Team, right? It's a different team that's on Flash to this. It is. But they, I remember dealing with Wally West stuff and that being a thing in the solicits, and I am worried, frankly. Yeah. Uh, Flash will be an instant drop the second I smell a whiff of any of this crap. So, uh, this, this is... This is like a three out of ten. Oof! And it gets yeah. the three because it, you know, art is serviceable enough. Writing's not the absolute worst. Hey, I can follow the comics. It's not like I'm confused by what panel I go to next. There's some simple basics that it achieves, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> but it's anger interesting. It's just, it's kind of the same rating I give a, a Ramita Junior comic, but for very different reasons. So, anywho. Future State Flash. David, go screw yourself. All right. Uh, we shall move on. Uh, Future State, Swamp Thing, issue two. Ram V with Mike Perkins. Uh, I have to say, because uh, yeah, we, we liked the first issue of this, but it wasn't mm-hmm. a complete home run or anything. It was definitely good, but not great. Uh, I do think the second issue is a bit better. I actually like this, this second part I, more. I think it's considerably better. I think this issue has all the heart in it that I needed. Yeah. yeah. There's, uh, there's that, and I feel part. like this this is I feel more this creative team's like st- like statement of how they feel about the character more than the first was like the first was all set up right yeah so just to uh, re- is... reiterate where we are at the start of this uh, 
you know, a human humans run into Swamp Thing and the what guy's leading them back to uh this the Star Labs base where we found out at the end of the issue that obsidian was being used to power some insane experiment. They look yep. like Woodrow, and it's confirmed very quickly in this it is Woodrow mm-hmm. uh who's doing this. Um and yeah, like obviously we we have the experiments that we have Woodrow being evil as shit and all these things, where Woodrow just wants to plunge the world into darkness and basically kill all life on Earth, including the plants. Yeah, and, and part of his plan with Obsidian here is the darkness hides them uh, mm-hmm. from Swamp Thing, so they're basically safe. Yeah. So this, you know, this is him just getting his own way. Basically. Yeah, it's not it's not until the human being actually sort of like leads them sh- like through the threshold of the bubble, essentially, to they, they right, can see yeah. the, the, the base. So some great panels of some action of Swamp Thing and his, his you know, quote-unquote family uh, bash their way in, especially the panels, uh, the pages with the fire. Where they're trying oh, to, those are gorgeous. Yeah, they're trying to burn Swamp Thing, and he's yelling like, as he's on fire, walking through a wall of flames, did you think fire would really stop me? <laughs> it's just... It's like, have you not learned yet that I know. I'm better than you? Basically? It's so good. And Woodrow at this point is not even really human. Like, he's, he's replaced himself with so much plant and... Stuff. That's what I liked is that it was so like dystopic, but not in like usually when you get that in a story, it's a guy that's that's replaced himself with machines. Mm-hmm. Here he's done it with plants, and it's so much more horrific. Like, oh yeah, it, I think it is. It doesn't it's, look it's, horrific. It's just the idea. It's because like, it's something we don't see, so we're not used to it. Like yeah. we're kind of acclimatized to. You know, the cyberpunk replaced with all the body uh-huh. parts, machines, and you know, right. we're like, oh, okay, it's fine. We've seen that all before. I don't think I've ever seen this before. I think I would say no. this looks horrific, to the point where if they ever do some sort of, for whatever reason this gets adapted to live action, I would be fascinated to what the, the live action, because oh, he's got parts of skin that are kind of stretched over parts of a swamp thing body. This does feel like it could be a movie, rather than, you know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. it wouldn't make a TV show concept either, or anything like that. I mean, it's right. Like, this feels like a great two-hour movie you could make out of this two issues. To me, it feels like it's an episode of a TV show where there's like a future episode. Where it does yeah, like that, that one looks story. the same. It's just a movie, yeah. right? You, uh, you could call it a future state. <laughs> see you, you can see what's going on. So there's some implications here that Swamp Thing himself is actually responsible for the state mm-hmm. of the world. Um, and effectively... The plan with Obsidian is happening. The Obsidian's the the, it's just, the the event has been triggered. It's going yeah. to happen. The Black Sun. Yeah, and or Obsidian. Sun. And Swamp Thing essentially needs to do something to save what remains of humanity, and he starts to basically obviously kill, but sort of reabsorb all the life that he's given his family members mm-hmm. as they plead with them not to. Like, why are you doing this for the humans? It's- is it killing if they don't have souls? Yeah. Because that's that's kind of what he comes down to, is he can create life enough that they've got a bit of a personality from characteristics of himself. They've got bodies because he can create that. But they don't have a soul. They can never be more than what he made them to be, yeah. not like humanity. And he even well, talks about what each one of them can, kind of represents as a part of him. You know, yeah. like the younger one's kind of his heart or whatever. Or his, uh, innocence. Yeah, his innocence. innocence. Doubt, then, ambition. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he talks about all this. Uh, and effectively what he does, and I kind of, I do like this ending a lot, where he effectively turns himself into a giant tree that b- sort of breaks out of the, the obsidian dome around Earth so that something is reaching the sunlight and can transfer down nutrients and some food, some some sustainable life, and 
the humans that are left live in his roots at the bottom and mm -hmm. for generations giant roots as well yeah this isn't yeah. you know that they, they are yeah, massive. So he becomes yggdrasil the world Pretty much. yeah like so yeah. But yeah, we have these. Such... We have generations of families. Uh, you know, you know, it's implied that it's centuries and centuries this happens. Yeah. Uh, until eventually, and I, I like this touch that they're all wearing glasses because I've never seen sunlight before. When they come out at the right. end, when eventually the obsidian thing, you know, wanes, you know, wanes and it goes away. Mm -hmm. Uh, it has this hopeful thing where one leaf is growing, and the idea that that might regrow swamp thing. It's it's yeah. it ties back to something earlier in the issue where he talks about you know. They built farms in this place for their own sustenance, mm -hmm. so that by the time he's aware of it, that's it. There's enough there for him to be the swamp thing and and to take control right. and and you know use that through the green and and the idea that here there's one seed left, and that's enough for it to come back. Uh, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a very hopeful ending. Yeah, and, and you know, as we yeah. say, the characters the, the, you get the, the sense that the characters here, the, these humans that have through these generations. And the kid at the end says this about his mom. He's, oh, is this like the stories you told me of the swamp thing? Uh, like the, the idea that there's a legend is growing. He's almost like they're, they're his god because he gave them yeah. this. And I'm thinking of like civilizations we find in like various sci-fi shows or fantasy shows mm -hmm. where they'll worship something that gives them life in their one little like community. And it kind of feels like that to me here at the end where yeah. they've all been worshiping swamp thing for generations because yeah, he is kind of the, the thing that's given them some sustainable life well, he, he, until it, now. But it is when you start to talk about religion, he does sacrifice his himself That's and true. his kind yeah. to so humanity can persist. So like there is like this religious layer thrown over there, but it's not overt. It's not like no, I think it's, it's clearly there. Shutting it's it not, down. It's not but hidden, yeah. But and so like it, it is the this is like the beginning of a new world myth. You know, these are the the people that were raised in the tree, and and it's just like. You know, we usually get this type of stuff in Wonder Woman and whatnot, but here, that aspect, of, you know, just from what I've read from Ram V in, in Justice League Dark, you could tell he really likes the world myths, yeah. you know, and how they fit, how superheroes fit into that aspect. And here, when you find out that that Swamp Thing has created life, but they're, they're just versions of himself. So did he really create life or did it's, he just it's, mimic life? It's almost you could argue reproduction kind rather of. than creation in, in right. a way um, but his sacrifice here enables you know humanity to keep living at the cost of his own creation or yeah. his and his own self it, it, so. it talks about that's why the green always chooses a human for its avatar because right. that capability untethered to beyond right right when it's untethered and whatnot and and just the the idea that Swamp Thing destroyed, but it was it's the horned Swamp Thing that we're getting from the the Perkins and and Ram V story coming up. You know, it's it's very yeah, much that design. This, this has me a lot more so, excited for that new book now. Yeah, because well, I don't know. I like as if you weren't, well I, I I was excited anyway because Ram V. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but right. that first issue of this was it was good. But like, I think I said at the time it was possibly the weakest single issue I'd read from Ram V. Mm -hmm. Whereas this is no, no, no. This this hit it back this out. This is what I expect. This yeah. this throws out the big concepts. This throws out the heart with it, though. It's uh, this Man. this is what I want. I almost rather have had this be a big double size one that came out together mm. than having the break in between, because this is just a very like all of that was set up so he could tell this part of the story. I feel, you know, 
I think so, it, it reads really well as a two-issue story. I think as two separate issues, it's mm -hmm. very heavily weighted towards this one. I mean, yeah. I, I, in the long run, though, like how many people are going to read these individually now at this point? You know, when it's in the trade, as whoever yeah. it's collected, they, yeah. they'll be back to back. People will just read and the I whole think thing. It, it, this and Wonder Woman so far are two of the strongest, just by themselves. It, like it says a lot that it's it's this Wonder Woman and Catwoman. I would say. As yeah. Well. So. Yeah. yeah. Um. Just, just on how well they stand alone, and who knows, maybe the Superman one as well. When we get the second, you know, another part from that, um, from Philip Kennedy Johnson. That part you know. of it, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I was as a whole yeah. issue. It's it's a little. No, bit, no, but yeah. I'm just talking about pieces that that kind of rise above the whole future state. Branding. Yeah, I went um, to Catwoman in that list because I think Catwoman is still too embedded in the magistrate and everything going on in the greater world. It's not on its own. It's it's good. Right, it's great. It's right. one of the best it's in terms good, of quality, though. but it's not on its own. Right. Okay, fair enough. Uh, uh, whereas, yeah, yeah so. that's that's Swamp Thing. Like, it doesn't even matter. This future, even though it's set in the future, this could be just right. a a random. Like, you could be reading this one thing run, and they would do a, like oh, we're going to two issues set this? in the distant future because this is this is like not even just like twenty years in the future. This is. Like, millennia. But yeah, this is like way off. Like nothing we ever do in the rest of the run ha ever has to even it's remotely build to this. Kind of like the uh, the Wonder the Immortal Wonder Woman run, right? Yeah, yeah. that's mm -hmm. very you know way in the future yeah. and just yeah, dealing, you know, yeah. the the dark side stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, but just like this could have almost been in one of the Swamp Thing anthologies they like to put out. You know, like tales I, I of the Swamp Thing. Pretty yeah. telling that uh, the last Swamp Thing issue, you know, that big anniversary issue, whatever mm -hmm. it was that they did yeah. last year. It was uh, Rambi and Perkins that did the, you know, the the the, the through line story. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, it's it's real, real good. That's really good. Uh, the pads, what I mentioned, the page, the panels of the, the the tree sort of going up and breaking the the atmosphere of the uh, the, the obsidian sort of dome and into the sky are probably my favorite page in the the book. But I think, yeah. I think for me, it comes down to either. Uh, what one of the uh, the reabsorption panels? Uh, I don't know if it'll be Heather the first one because of the shock of it, or if it is the uh, you know the the one on the following page with the the, the child one. Uh, I can't. I don't know which one the, the, the name is. For that. Where he's actually saying what they each represent or what they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that final panel where it's like oh, you were all in your own way, perfect, and she's like fading away as it does it. Ah, mm -hmm. oh, fantastic stuff. Yeah. All right, Matt, what are you giving it? I mean, this one a nine. Connor. Uh, I'm going to give it an 8.5. I am going to give it a 9. I'm going to be with Matt on this one. Uh, Alright, cool. Mamba issue 1, uh, Dave Villegas and Samit Kumar on the art. Uh, <laughs> close enough. Close enough. I just have to say yeah. it confidently with the, with the accent, you know. How, how lucky are we to have uh, Kumar on two different things this week? I know, it's nice, isn't it? It's nice. Also, uh, this this book um i had forgotten exactly what it was supposed to be about right because it got solicited and then pulled this was and then supposed to, i think this was originally supposed to release like last april or so give or take something yeah it was right, it was right, right when so, everything right when everything was shut down yeah it was right when the, the yeah. shutdown happened it was supposed to be coming out so um, and um obviously when we came back for everything it just wasn't there for a while and then eventually they right. solicited it for now so right yeah this is it's not obviously it's not quite the man bat that's in just like mm -hmm. dark. It's not that man bat, really, at all. It's earlier. It, I think there's an editor's note that says it takes there's place. There's an editor's note, that. right? So again, we kind of know where it's heading, but I was expecting something more of a of a werewolf kind of story, right? 
So that's kind of what I, I want out of out of Mambat, right? I did not expect to get a story about addiction. Um and and I love it for that. I mean, has has there been an addiction story with Mambat before? Because it feels kind of obvious, right? Well what Joe's funny to me, Matt, is that you say that, but um I know you recently watched the Wolf of Snow Hollow mm -hmm. where Yes. The werewolf itself is a metaphor for addiction, so I think there's some there's some parallels here that I, I think I work. <laughs> but just just a man bat as a monster, and as as we've seen him before, I thought this was going to be something that was more pulpy of man bat going on a spree, and this is what led. I almost felt like this is what was going to lead him to like, and I feel that that's how it's going to end, where he can learn to be both at the same time. Right, and that's where we get him in Justice League Dark. I was just, but like, I thought we're still some... in this form, but he's mm. being right, better. right. And so, but um, before that, though, we're gonna see some like man bat carnage, right? Yeah. It's gonna just be just, him going through Gotham. Oh, it's gonna just be like a fun story. Not that fun stories can't have weight, but then I started reading this, and when it starts with him and Francine, and just the plots that it goes through and it ends up becoming like an actual story about his addiction and his obsession. And I'm just like, Oh man, I wasn't expecting this at all. What a surprise. Matt wanted a pulp story. He was looking forward to something pulpy. <laughs> I just want monsters at the end of the day. I want some, that's why I got so upset with the, when the Gotham monsters book, wasn't what I wanted it to be, you know, cause I want killer croc and Bambat just tearing stuff apart. It's all right. What's so, important sorry, here, though, Matt. Is, is Matt still sounds positive yeah. despite it not being? Yes. Oh sure. Yes. Wanted. But sorry, Matt. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. It's not that long. It was just, it's like yeah. under two months now until that stupid right. ape King Kong is going to no. get his ass swooped by Godzilla, you. and it's going to be great. You. Yeah. How dare you, sir? Going to be great. It's going to be the Okada Omega <laughs> of of movies. It, it says a lot because I, I thought I was really looking forward to that movie. I am. But I, I thought, oh, that'll be the, the tentpole movie of March for me. And then it's like, oh, Disney are putting out Raya and the Last Dragon in March as well. I'm like, I'm uh, way more excited March. about that. I have no oh, idea what that is, I, but sure. I, I, I love <laughs> Disney. Don't, don't, do not get me wrong. But, Connor, when you say Kong versus Godzilla, put some respect on it, okay? Like, <laughs> hey, excuse me. It's Godzilla versus Kong. Godzilla gets top billing. I don't want to hear this Kong versus Godzilla nonsense. Kong versus Godzilla. Well, if I'm, if I'm going to pick Godzilla, Godzilla's winning, hands down. It's not even close. Oh, you guys are the worst. <laughs> not seeing him use a weapon that looks like it might be one of Godzilla's scale things on his back. Mm -hmm. He's still going to lose, though, isn't he? No. I mean, let's, be, let's be honest. There's, there's going to be a, there's, a there's real villain. Be, and yeah, then... right. it, it, it's, it's Superhero 101. Yes. There's not going to be a real yeah. winner, and then they're going to fight team up to fight the real In villain. fact, we, we I'm fairly that. sure I know what the overall plot is. I've, I've got some yeah. predictions based yeah. on the trailer. I don't want to say because I don't want to spoil for people who didn't know no, us. No, no. But... <laughs> that said, when, when, Zilla has, when Godzilla has the, the, uh, the face turn, of course I'm going to be pro-Godzilla at that point. But you, you put him against my guy, and I can't. This aggression cannot mm -hmm. stand, man. Yeah. So I don't know if face turns is the right term given what I think is going on, but uh, I get what you're saying. You, you know what I'm saying. I'm, I don't want to get into your theory because we've already talked about yes. your theory after that trailer. But <laughs> I definitely think there's a a there's gonna there's gonna going to be a whose music is that? I feel. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, and I, yeah, mm. and a run in. Yeah. Uh, see, see if they see if they save Godzilla's main theme. For mm -hmm. 
when mm-hmm. that ha- that happens and it's there's like a wrestler's entrance music yes yes also one of my favorite things of the last week uh, was doc shader seeing the trailer finally and and getting really into all the godzilla stuff recently and be like yo where's gamera and then finding out that gamera's never been <laughs> part of that, the same property. different company it's never happening so he, he was so upset wasn't he yeah, Gamera, was... Gamera up in a Godzilla movie is basically like Captain America showing up in a Batman movie. Right, right, right. But most people don't get into the Toho stuff like you do, Pete. Like, I didn't even know a lot of that stuff until we did our episode way, way back when the <laughs> first Godzilla came out. And I learned about how much of a Godzilla fan you are. Uh, and and we talked about Gamera. So do you know, I'm do you know sure who's a Godzilla fan? Who? Gail Simone. Oh no! She, yeah, uh, seriously. Yeah, you know, whenever the trailer drops, her Twitter just becomes Godzilla Twitter. It's great. Uh, well, I, I'm just saying I understand the blood feud with her and Taylor now. Yeah. <laughs> All <laughs> so, right, anyway. back to back to Bad Bat. Uh, so yes, yeah, Francine leaves him because she found more serum, uh, and he's like, "No," like, and she says, "Oh, you were basically you helped me, you know, find a cure for for deafness because it's for your sister." And he feels and it, a lot, and I think what's to its credit here. I mean, she outright calls him addicted to this, and he loves being mm-hmm. man bat more than he loves being with her and all that. But I, I think to the credit, a lot of his narration, the way he talks about how oh, she'll eventually understand, she'll eventually know this. This is this is the right choice. Like, a lot of what he says does sound like an addictive person uh, oh, talking absolutely. about something. Yeah, so. I, uh, I love the moment. I think it's at the end of like the second page where she's leaving, and it is just her in the doorway, you know, mostly silhouette because of all the light, mm-hmm. and it's just her going. I started moving my stuff out weeks ago, right after you, right after I found the serum, waiting for you to tell me, and you never even noticed. Yeah, and and that's just it, and that's when it cuts uh, cuts away. I think you know to the, you know, his, just his reaction really um, after that. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really strong. Yeah, I do like that. Uh, Mindbat has his own narration boxes that are different from Langstrom's. Yeah. It's uh, you yeah, because they're they're treating him as a different being, you know, and it's almost like again that that whole thing of addiction where it's that other voice telling you to do something, mm. right? Like, yeah, sure, she left, but, like, look how awesome we are when when we're together. You know, it's like that devil-on-the-shoulder kind of vibe. Yeah, uh, so it's, like it's it. Phil Jekyll and Hyde transformation. He takes a serum, he turns mm-hmm. it into Man-Bat. He flies over the city uh, and comes across some some goons who are stealing a, a fancy weapon. The blackout gang. Yeah. Uh, from a van, and yeah, he comes in and very quickly. Batman shows up, right? Which I, I love that the uh, narration from Man Bat is the Pretender. He's not a real bat. Mm-hmm. He doesn't understand what it's like to be a bat. He's not a yeah, bat. He, he he mocks us with his appearance. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, probably probably my favorite art of the whole book actually is the bottom half of the page that Batman comes into it. Uh, it's just like a silhouette of Man Bat, and then Batman sort of like grappled onto him. So it's like Man Bat sort of dragging him through the sky with the oh, blinding satellites behind him. It, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's that all like you know, the, there's a a couple of pages for us. The first time he turns into Man Bat, and it's that view of the city, and it's all the orange, and there's like the the sonar yeah. coming out from one corner where he is. It's, it's a similar effect to this here. Where it's just this wide mm-hmm. shot of just the visual of it and the spectacle. It's great stuff. Yeah, but Man Bat's still getting out. Even with Batman sort of attached to him, he still goes after this van and the guys bring out the weapon. They fire at Man Bat. It's this big, huge blast. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very destructive, though, because we find out, you know, when this thing goes, uh, there's like hundreds of people get injured when this thing goes off. 
specifically deafened as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, yep. a, it's, a, it's a you know sound wave device. Um, and Langstrom wakes up, uh, not in the Bat Cave per se, but in you know, one of Batman's locations, facilities. Yeah, uh, and he's like you know strapped to a bed and all all this, and he's like, yeah, like, I wanted to make sure you were taken as a human, so I brought you here first. But you know, Gordon and Billy and all that are waiting for you to be transferred. Um, and you know, I've given you. The benefit of the doubt, I wanted to think you could become better and that you, you wouldn't let this consume you, but you're an addict and like, you know, you're all, and also the bigger the big plot thing here is that you're dying. That taking this serum over and over is killing your humanity and eventually your brain's just gonna be dead. You don't have much time left. Yeah, it's basically just gonna shut you into man bat mode permanently. Um and then right. it says you oh Matt, your mic's gone. Uh as it says you know, you know, this time it's the most feral man bat's ever been with the least mm-hmm. humanity. And that's just going to get worse and worse as it goes which, on. Which is interesting because we're seeing it from Manbat's perspective, and it didn't seem like that, right? Because it's being driven because before he wakes up here with, with Bruce is that I won, I'm a hero, right? And we see the destruction he's caused, but it's not, he doesn't seem overtly feral. Not right? feral, but I think simplistic. I think yeah. it's is safe yeah. to say. And given and so, that he is, you know, a pretty yeah. brilliant scientist uh, mm-hmm. you know, as Langston. Yeah, I mean... It's feral yeah. in comparison. And deluded, maybe not the right word, maybe okay. more... I think someone who's, like, drunk, who thinks mm-hmm. they've pulled off a success, but they don't realise that the chaos right. they've caused in their, in their past. And that's what I, I think is interesting, is, is we're getting Batman's viewpoint of it, right? And it's like, no, dude, like, yeah, you thought you saved the day, but you caused way more destruction... Than they ever would have done. Yeah, right. so I, it's, it's like I, uh, it's like there's a fly, so you use a bazooka to <laughs> get right, the fly. Right. Yeah, so I, I just happens. I really love that dynamic there. Of, yeah. You know, on play. Yeah. So uh, they going to transfer him. Gordon's there to oversee. It. He's been loaded into the van. Um, mm-hmm. but he basically is able to channel some. There's some serum left in his system, and he basically realizes this. And the the inner voice, because I, I do like this touch that the 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 man bat voice is there before he turns, mm-hmm. as if it's already in his head. Um, it's, it, it's it's very much, you know, uh, like, uh, you said Jekyll and Hyde, you know, uh, Gollum and Smeagol from Lord of the Rings, like that convincing, uh, yeah. you know, where he's like, don't let us die this way, Kirk. It's like, and, and he actually actively answers, like, you know, Mamba, I, you know, I should mm-hmm. listen to you. And then you get, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Mamba again going, we can do this. Yeah, so he, he turns into Mamba in the van and flies out the roof, and it's... Uh, Hell of a panel again, that, mm-hmm. you know, exploding yeah. out. And still, again, not evil, because... He yeah. stops and saves the people in the van. He's like, you know, I, I you know, stick on your nose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so, I mean, that's most of the issue. Obviously, there's the two pages here at the end, but um, I quite enjoyed uh, that book uh, yeah. so far. And then these last two pages are the only thing that I'm a little bit. Yeah. It, it concerned me because <laughs> what, what we get it... here at the end is Amanda Waller going, "Yeah, okay, we'll send in the Suicide Squad." And it's, yeah. and it's set in the past, so this is like New Fifty Two Suicide Squad, basically. That's what, what it looks like. Yeah, uh, yeah that's not the fun. It's a uh, Deadshot, Harley, Boomerang, and Croc is what we see. Yeah. yeah. My, my concern is I want this to still be a man bat book and not a Suicide Squad. Yeah, book. That, that's that that's been well, stealthed into. That's my worry. Yeah. Yeah, I do feel that though. We'll see man bat. You know, take care of the Suicide Squad. I, I'd be happy to see. Mambat you know. versus Suicide Squad from Mambat's perspective. Yeah, I don't yeah. Want it from Suicide Squad. For for, for yeah. an issue, like I I don't want issue yeah. three to also still be Suicide Squad dealing with them. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I could accept two and three if it's a two part 
thing yeah. like you know, in, within this six part series i could accept mm-hmm. like two parts being even before even before i saw the last page as soon as i got to that second last page and i saw waller i was like uh even before you see waller the very top thing on that page is you know bell reeve penitentiary and i was like uh oh that's yeah. not a good sign no so, so uh so that's the yeah. only concern i really have i enjoyed the book up until that point uh yeah i think up until that point it was pretty fantastic i have very little to complain about i think the art's fantastic all the way through mm-hmm. uh obviously it has its moments where it shines um i love the way it treats batman there's a bit where he's talking to uh to langstrom um and it's just a white panel it's just a silhouette of batman and it kind of fades out at the bottom i think that's fantastic mm-hmm. um but like you, say, you know the writing as well the way you know it treats it as a, you know this addiction we're seeing it mostly from his point of view. We've got both narration boxes in his head. And, and to the point where sometimes it's not even just narration boxes, it's full panels, just black panels, with the the text inside being in the same font as the man bat narration boxes, mm-hmm. which tells you what it is and just how all-encompassing it is. Uh, it's really effective. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, good stuff. Matt, what are you giving man bat? I'm giving this an 8.5. Connor? Yeah, 8.5. I might have given it the 9 without those last couple of pages, so. <laughs> I'll go with a straight eight. Really good stuff, though. Uh, so that is Man Bat. All right, so one last book to talk about then, and it's a Patreon book. So, you know, every month to patreon.com slash TV, Patreon at higher tier can make myself a car read a book. I've got one left over from last month, which I'm doing today, and that is Animal Man issue five, the Grant Morrison run, of course. Uh, and this has got the famous cover of the of like Animal Man being drawn Mm-hmm. on the cover i think that's uh what they even used for the the omnibus yeah they have a um a different cover on the dust cover but the actual printing on the book itself they use that yeah or i should say most definitely being being colored uh the drawings is complete but uh, this is the, the brush coloring and he's uh his outfit um so i had no idea what, obviously uh, there's some buzz about this issue and there's some expectations and i'm like okay what is this book gonna be um, and it starts off with this uh, this hitchhiker has been picked up by a trucker, uh, and it's quite dark because she's she's going to Hollywood to try and you know make a career. She doesn't want to go to college or anything like that. Uh, implies that the previous trucker kicked her out because she wouldn't uh, do well, you know, as she puts it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, you know, some dark implications right away. And you've got this guy who apparently the trucker used to be a junkie, but some friend you know basically saved him and it made him find Jesus and. Uh, so they're having this conversation, but very quickly, there's an animal on the road. You don't really quite get a good look at what it is. Um, but they hit it, and they just keep driving. Uh, it's like, no, we don't, we don't turn around. Just don't look back. Just keep going. Uh, and that right away there, that that feels like their, their moral mistake, <laughs> is that no one tries to check and see if whatever they hit was okay. Um, or even see what it was. But then the weird thing happens is that this animal, uh, which becomes clear as it goes on as a coyote, basically starts to almost like Wolverine style kind of reform and come back together and gets back up. And then the full page reveal of like what he actually looks like from the front coyote. And he's, he's got like something around his neck. He's got like a, a you know, a necklace with like a, I, like, I, like a totem. I thought it was a metal rod. They actually, later on it turns out to be like a, a scroll of paper. It's like, you know, it's like a message mm. that's been rolled up. But, um, and this was a year ago, it says, right? So then it cuts to the present day. It's called the, the Coyote Gospels, the name of the story. Um, artist is uh, Chaz Truog and Doug Hazelwood. And the art does notably change for a section later on, which is where the second artist is definitely the one that comes in. Um, 
So immediately I'm like, okay, so this this Kyoto can't die, and what do you think of when you think of a Kyoto who can die and keep getting back up? Are you, Wiley. Yeah, you're like a roadrunner. That's what I was like. Okay, so we got like a roadrunner kind of, but it, it's a more sort of R-rated version where you actually see like the organs go back in and he gets back up as if he's mm-hmm. coming back to life. Right. So right away we're d- d- you know doing something interesting and wacky and different but the story's told really well the characters were engaging uh it's amazing to me just how different this is to like modern day grant morris and stuff and just how much easier it is to read and how much i like it compared to uh, based on this and just you wait based on this and doom patrol and just other things from this era uh but uh buddy's thrown out all the meat he's decided the family's going to be vegetarian uh his son's not very happy about it though it's one of those things that we kind of take for granted with Animal Man now. Yeah. Um, but this is, uh, you know, because uh, cause Grant Morrison is a vegetarian, so this is him kind of projecting himself into it and being like, well, but, this makes sense for Buddy. Yeah, it does. it does. It makes sense for the character, for sure. And let's be honest, if we all could do it, we should, because it would actually be better. But, <laughs> um, you know, uh, obviously, Wife's not too happy about it. You know, Ellen comes in and she's like, what are you doing? Why are you throwing out all the groceries? Like, ah, oh, we're going to be vegetarian. Like, we have talked about this, perhaps? <laughs> Before you started throwing everything out? Maybe we can slowly transition, get the kids used to the idea. You know, just, you know, that kind of thing. As opposed to this sudden, uh, you know, he storms out. He's mad that she's not accepting this. And he storms out and goes for a, goes for a fly. Uh, and this is where we sort of bring back in some of the story elements. Where the trucker from the start of the story is now back out in the desert. Because the road that we're on was in the desert, right? Uh, makes sense, mm-hmm. given that we're on the way to, you know, LA in California. And he goes out, and he's got a hunting rifle, he's got dynamite, and he's like, he's hunting something. He's hunting this coyote. And he's convinced that he needs to kill this coyote. And we find out that his, that there's a friend that got him on the straight and narrow, uh, was killed. And then he reads in the paper that the hitchhiker he had a year ago became a prostitute and died. Uh, and we don't get the full context, we just sort of see part of the headline, but that's the part you see, that she was, she was killed and she was a prostitute. And he, he thinks this coyote is the devil. And he's going to kill... And at this point, I'm like, he's hunting the coyote. This, this is, I mean, obviously the coyote is the one hunting the roadrunner in the cartoon, but it's hard not to start really thinking about it. So there's some great panels here of him hunting this, and the, the coyote is very big, you know, almost werewolf size, and kind of the, the way that the eyes are very emotive. Uh, but he does, he shoots the, the coyote and it falls, you know, into a ravine and it, it, you know, it lands and it starts to reform and then the, the, the narration from the coyote is that it sees like, you know, a shadow getting bigger and the, the, the guy's like throwing down giant boulders <laughs> to try and make it stay dead um, it goes down he goes down to, to use what he calls the magic bullet, he's got one more bullet and it's going to be the magic bullet and Buddy's sort of flying overhead at this point, but he's he's basically forgotten that he's laid a trap. He laid the dynamite trip wire down there, and the coyote triggers it. So there's this big explosion. Buddy's flying overhead, so that makes Buddy come down. Uh, but even after the explosion, the coyote reforms and is completely fine. And the coyote just walks out of where the explosion was because Buddy's found this guy's truck, and he's sort of looking around to see what's going on. And the coyote comes up, takes the necklace off and hands him this scroll of paper out of the out of the little casing. Mm-hmm. 
and Buddy looks at this paper, and as he unscrolls it, we go to the next page, and the art completely changes, and it becomes way more Looney Tunes. It, you know, it's just really cartoony. And he has hunt you know, this cow. He's hunting uh, what looks to be a road ride. We never actually see it properly. We just see sort of the speed lines of whatever he's hunting. Mm-hmm. But the implications here <laughs> that this is clearly Wiley Coyote. Yep, is very very clear. Uh, and. He basically he tells the story of him becoming so disillusioned that he keeps getting hurt <laughs> and he can never catch him. And he decides to go to the desert, he goes into, up to the elevator and he goes to God, which we never see, we just see the POV of like the paintbrush. So the idea that this is, you know, the, the God is the artist who's creating these stories uh, may or may not be Grant Morrison. I say may or may not be because uh, technically this is, you know, Grant Morrison didn't create Looney Tunes, so... I don't know if I necessarily no. assume that this is no. Morrison. but I, I think the the assumption here is because again, this is a very memorable issue. I do remember yeah. this. Is that it is Grant Morrison? He is playing God with this story. He's the storyteller yes. here. Uh, but basically, this God just says, "Well, you know what? I'm going to pit you in a different universe, right? This is the hell you're going to have to live. Is that you're being sent to this other universe? Uh, and that that kind of ties into the start of this, where that's when he kind of appeared in front of the truck and when he get hit. Um. And, like, a vulture's eating these innards before he, like, reforms and he gets back up. But there's kind of a joke here where it cuts back to Buddy looking at the scroll and it's just all a bunch of squiggles. Mm-hmm. And he looks up and says, I can't read this. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't actually get any of what we just got in, in, the, in the book. Um, and that's when the, the, the hunter with the sniper rifle shoots him with the silver bullet, which clearly he thinks is a werewolf. Or at least right. is mixing some werewolf it's, I mean, ideas. it's not an unfair assumption yeah uh and this actually does kill him he he holds the debilit wound and he falls over the guy who shot him starts crying and saying that he saved the world he's, he's talking to his dead friends like oh I, I did it billy i saved the world and he kills over with the gun billy's looking at the animal at the coyote with tears in his eyes and the coyote notably is his arms are stretched out kind of like christ and then we see a paintbrush come in for the final two panels and paint in the blood, because at first the, the blood's white. It's just like a white... You know, everything else is coloured in, but the blood isn't. It's just white, and then the paintbrush comes in and colours it in red. And it just says, the end, folks. So, I'm at a disadvantage here, because I read this last. I read this right before we came out and record. I feel like I need a week to process what the hell this <laughs> issue is doing. Yeah, just wait till you get further in the run. But... <laughs> Well, here's the, here's the thing, though. Unlike a lot of modern Grant Morrison, this was still enjoyable to read. I still followed the basic events of what was happening. I can't follow modern-day Grant Morrison. That, those couple issues I read of his Green Lantern were just confusing, and I didn't know what was going on in an annoying way. Uh, I understood the, the the premise of each scene individually. That, that wasn't what I was getting. I just meant in, in terms of this being kind of really meta and playing with creationism. Yeah. Uh, he takes that to the next level within this very run. Um I would say still in a very comprehensible and readable way, along these lines still. Uh, Which is fine. I have no, prime, uh, no problem with, with, with weirder meta or uh, uh, yeah, psychological uh, concepts. I'm a fan of David Lynch. I'm a fan of other, I, other creators who I, play I, with I things in weird ways. When I said just wait, I, I wasn't saying that you wouldn't enjoy it. I just meant if you thought you needed a week to process this, wait till you get later. You'll need you'll feel like you need a whole month to process it. Um. You know, I mean, what exactly is this getting at here? I, you know, I'm thinking about this this cartoon character who's taken out because he's basically like the 
mundane repetitiveness and like the never succeeding of his existence leads him to ask for something better. So he's put into a, a world where he's killed more brutally and then eventually dies. Uh, and his life ultimately becomes meaningless because the message he's there to deliver doesn't even get delivered because Buddy can't read it. Unless there's an arc after this where Buddy takes the scroll to people and they start trying to translate it, which I doubt, but... No, I think that's the, the point of, like, you know, in this striving for more and then it kind of being ultimately pointless and, and, and maybe, you know, it, it's... Uh, some level of being you know, acceptance of, of what your your life is. Not that you can't hope for better, but not that necessarily just because a quote-unquote better life doesn't mean you will actually be in a better situation in the long run. Yeah, I mean, obviously the story of the Kelty kind of parallels the story of the Hitchhiker uh, in the sense that she's moving somewhere for a better life. Um, I don't think for any reason, though, that this story is suggesting that you shouldn't hope for a better life or shouldn't work towards a better life. Uh, maybe it's a warning and just sort of willy-nilly going I, I off and just... I think it's against trying to get an easy way out of just jumping, you know, in this case, you know, asking God to just, all right, give me a better life. It is about, you know, earning and yeah. working for a better life, you know, and accomplishing that yourself rather than just taking a shortcut. Yeah. Right. Um, and also, don't forget in multiple Native American mythos the coyote is the trickster god yes you know so the fact here that he, he... don't forget like i ever knew that for sure no well <laughs> it, it, it is it, it's a thing like coyotes coyotes are actually pretty cool and that's why they got the trickster you know across all these different cultures but um that's why when when you said that mm. but he couldn't read this right i'm sure there's other different aspects to it but my brain went to the you know, Coyote is a trickster aspect. Uh, it's worth mentioning in the final you know? panel where where, where uh, the, you know the arms are scrolled out and he's dying there. Mm -hmm. When the car when the you know the last panel of the camera sort of pulled back as the brush is finished painting, um, it's it's literally in the middle of a crossroads. And mm -hmm. obviously, there's the, I mean, again, the Christ imagery, but I think more importantly, right. just the idea of a crossroads and what that usually means from a story perspective and uh, right. a journey yeah. perspective, um. Is Buddy at crossroads, and maybe him mm -hmm. learning that there's no easy way outs or easy fixes, and you know maybe that ties into a little bit of him just trying to force the 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 vegetarian thing on his family. Uh, yeah, but... in in the same way that he doesn't understand what the coyote was sharing, his family doesn't understand that. Yeah. Uh, so the stuff here, and it's compelling from start to finish, and the art is very strong uh, throughout. I was always into it. I was always intrigued by what was going on. Uh, but it does take time to sort of stop and think about what it's actually trying to say. You know, what's going, and that's maybe not necessarily new or different for Grant Morrison, but um, certainly this was throwing a lot of concept. But sometimes like it's a bit more easygoing in the sense that you're already starting to know what the themes of the story are, so when he throws in something weird, your mind jumps to kind of thematically how it'll tie in quicker, whereas here it was like just immediately, okay, this is a completely standalone issue. that doesn't tie into anything that came before, not really, in any big way. Uh, maybe it'll tie into stuff coming after, but that doesn't really matter because I've not got there yet. <laughs> it's completely mm -hmm. on its own. And uh, it's memorable. I remember this issue. It's distinct and it's, 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 it's bold in the ideas that it's making. And it's profoundly sad in a number of ways. And, and even the idea of this trucker who sees the coyote as the devil and he just becomes the killer of this thing looking for a better life, this life looking for a better life, in the same way 
that the system became the killer of this girl who moved to LA mm-hmm. for a better life. So he's kind of perpetuating the same sort of sad violence that, you know, he's... So uh, there's a lot going on here. Um, It's excellent. It's like a 9 out of 10. I can't really say why <laughs> to, to my best ability. Maybe we should ask you again next week. But that's Grant Morrison. Uh, but yes, um, it's very good uh, throughout. So, there you go. How's that on my issue five? Uh, join me later in the month for issue six, and we'll see how that tackles my brain. Uh, so, <laughs> that'll take us on to the final part of the show, where we pick our uh, favourites of the week, favourite panel slash moment, favourite cover, favourite art, and top five books. So, uh, we'll we'll dive in uh, with panel slash moment. Matt, what you got for us? Um, I'm going to go for Manbat, and it's going to be when uh, he transforms, and we see all the like echolocation rings, and that's you know his change in perspective, because you know, it's over that cityscape, and just Kumar handles the art like so well. Like I oh. wanted to give him credit. Good. He said transforms, which reminded me earlier today. I saw a Photoshop for a crossover called Fastformers, which was Fast and the Furious meets Transformers. And it had the Rock and Mark Wahlberg in the poster, and it was like just like nightmare fuel. Uh, I had to watch it as <laughs> long as Bay's not directing it. Get Justin <laughs> Lin, and I'm in. <laughs> Connor, what are you in? Uh, what what's your favorite panel slash moment? Sorry, uh, my favorite panel. I'm gonna go from Swamp Thing. Um, I, I'm torn between the the two points of when you know he's reabsorbing mm-hmm. uh, the the other elements of himself. But I think I'm gonna go with the. The second one, uh, the end of the, the the page where he's kind of gone through what they all represent, and it's the the child of, of the green, and just you know you, know, you were all perfect, and you know she's fading away. Um, that's a great panel. Yeah, there's a couple of things from Wonder Woman that I could use because uh, some wonderful art in there. Mm. But I'm actually also going to go with Swamp Thing, but I'm going with the 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 tree sort of growing and breaking through the 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 obsidian barrier, and then seeing the sky and the sun. Uh, I love that. It's like a, it's a three-panel page with three tall panels to emphasize the height of everything. Uh, really beautiful done. I felt the the epic kind of natural spectacle of what it was mm-hmm. uh, uh, was great. So, uh, favorite cover of the week. I suppose I'll jump in here. Mm-hmm. Um, a few good options. The variant for Superman uh, of Metropolis is is all right actually. Um, Swamp Things variants also pretty decent. Uh, Wonder Woman covers are good. The next Batman variant is you know got the neon and it's very pretty. Uh, my actual pick though is the variant to Manbat, uh, which mm-hmm. is Manbat. It's got the orangey red sky with the gothic building behind him, and he's just kind of flying through the air. Uh, it's very very pretty. Uh, the art on that is uh, Kevin Nolan, so that's mm-hmm. uh, my mm-hmm. cover. Uh, Connor. There's the Jenny Frizz and Wonder Woman variant. Um, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, there are some nice covers this week, but that one mm-hmm. just was head and shoulders above all the rest for me. Like, it wasn't even close uh, with, with how much better that one is for me. Okay. Yep. I agree. It's the Jenny Frizz and, like, yep. Self, keeps rolling the hits. Self-parodies, the period. Uh, so I, I, I looked through every single issue we talked about on, on this episode. Mm-hmm. I was like, even the ones I didn't read, I looked through and was like, maybe there's a good cover. And there are a lot of good covers this week. Um, 
but this was the only like a great cover that really jumped out at me um like just yeah not even close okay uh so best art of the week connor uh i'm gonna give it to manba uh sumit kumar mm -hmm. uh I think yeah, yeah, just great stuff. It, it was it was kind of that a Wonder Woman, I think for me. But yeah, yeah, I think I I was between Wonder Woman and Swamp Thing, and I think I'm going to go with Wonder Woman uh, overall. But yeah, those are, those are the two sort of clearer choices for me. Uh, Matt, uh, Joel Jones for Wonder Woman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There you go, Joel Jones. What a surprise! Uh, mm -hmm. All right, uh, top five books of the week. Then Matt, you're up first. All right, so it's going to be uh, Wonder Woman, Swamp Thing, uh, Man Bat, and then the next Batman, then Superman and Metropolis. Cool. Connor? Yeah, I'm pretty much along the same lines there. Wonder Woman, Swamp Thing, Man Bat, and then next Batman. Just, uh, another Superman and Metropolis. Right. Yeah, uh, I will go... Yeah, what... yeah, Wonder Woman, the number one. Swamp Thing, and number two. I'm, I may, I may sneak the next Batman before Man Bat, then at number four. And then I guess by default, Flash is number five because that's the fifth one I read. Uh, uh, I, hate, uh, I hate life. Um, Animal Man number five. I, I, well, Animal, Animal Man uh, would probably would be higher than that. I give it a nine. It, so. it, it, it would, but just look, honorable mention at five. Instead yeah. of Flash, I guess. Animal Man would have been like number two or one, probably, <laughs> if, if I was including that. Uh, yeah. But hey, there you go. Uh, so that, that's our, our picks of the week. Um, mm -hmm. I will tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics. Um, we have Rorschach issue five, which feels very soon after the last issue. I the, yeah. last one, the last one got delayed a little bit, I think, which is why it feels uh -huh. so soon. Um, it, clearly, it wasn't delayed for art reasons, otherwise, oh, this one would right. also be pushed back. So, uh, But yeah, we got Rorschach issue five. We have Future State Dark Detective issue 3, Future State Justice League issue 2, uh, Green Lantern season 2 issue 11 is out, so Grant Morrison's Reign of Terror is almost uh, over. Uh, Future State Teen Titans issue 2 is out, Future State Robin Eternal issue 2, Future State Green Lantern issue 2, which I'm pretty positive none of us are going to read, <laughs> but uh, it's there. Uh, Future State Superman Wonder Woman issue 2 is out, Future State Kara Zor-El Superwoman issue 2 is out, and then on top of that, also coming out is American Vampire 1976 issue 5, Sweet Tooth The Return issue 4. Uh, both books I'm interested in eventually. Uh, yeah, just know. not right now. Yeah. And then they've also got their Valentine's Day anthology book out. It's $10. I assume it's like 80 pages. It's called DC Love is a Battlefield issue 1. Uh, so that is also out. But uh, yeah, honestly, a solid week of Future State stuff. Rorschach is a nice capper as well, I think, for me and Matt. So, uh, mm -hmm. It's quite a big week. Uh, if or, I mean, it's not huge, but it feels big after this week. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's what's coming next week. Uh, there'll be a few more weeks before we can finally say a list of books that don't have future state at the start of like eight mm -hmm. out of I ten think of the titles. Still got one or two issues as well that are actually one shots that we haven't even had like a first issue of yet. So there's there's still at least like one completely new thing to go through in this month. I mean, just one though. <laughs> is there only one? I thought there was maybe two. But... As opposed to next month. No, well, that's not my point. I'm not, I mean, maybe two. I don't know. You're the one who said it. Oh. I, uh, but the point of being is the next month is all new stuff because it's all new runs or returns it, it to is. runs. I, or... I meant after last month where everything was new until like the second weeks. Where there's, there's at least still something. 
So that is what's coming next week. I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers. Although I don't actually have the list up. Oh, shit. <laughs> I had to restart my computer before I started, so I don't have... Uh... Oh, I have it already. Um, Shambles. Yeah. Hey, uh, Carl, why don't you tell them about uh, ways they can support us other than Patreon? No. I mean, I could do. Uh, you, you can go and uh, watch all our stuff on YouTube. Um, you can check out audio versions if, if that's uh, how you get this. You might do. Uh, we have other stuff, like previously in the multiverse, where me and Pete do classic DC runs. Uh, that is back after a lengthy break, but it is exclusive to the Patreon at $5 tiers for the first four weeks. So they have presumably started getting that, Pete. They have uh, two episodes, yes. They, have two they episodes. do, yes, good. Um, uh, so you will get the first episode of that to the public in a, in a couple of weeks, or you can just go and give us $5 and get it now. Yeah, there's two episodes waiting for you right away. Yeah, patreon.com slash TV. That's what that is. Uh, and of course, if $20 and up, you get credit as a producer. So thank you to our producers for the month of Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Born Now, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams, and David Brown. So thank you to you guys. Uh, you guys are supporters for completely free with hitting like buttons and subscribe buttons and all that sort of thing. Um, for, for the record, I have uh, the list of names on a, like a, a sticky note which is a YouTube, mm-hmm. or not YouTube, but make, you know, Windows feature. You can have, like, sticky notes that are just on your desktop. But when you restart mm-hmm. your computer, you it, it shuts down, so you have to open them up again. That's what I was doing. There. It tells you how often Pete restarts his computer, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. It does. I only restart my computer because when I went to open up one of the programs to record, uh, it kind of froze a little bit and acted weird. I was like, oh, it's been like a month. I should restart. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yes, uh, so thank you to our Patreon producers. Um, and that's pretty much everything. Uh, you guys on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast uh, for updates and whatnot. Uh, and I'll remind everyone once again that for our t- to celebrate our 250th episode, although it won't be on the episode 250 because the episode would be ridiculously long if we did, uh, we're going to do a top 50 DC characters user submitted vote countdown style thing. Uh, voting for that will be during March. So just if you want to start thinking about it, but I'll just uh, keep reminding people. Uh, and then the results will be around the 250 time any, uh, towards the end of April uh, mm-hmm. idea. so uh, look uh, forward to that um, but otherwise that's uh, that is, that is, uh, also I'll just take time to promote uh, Mail Fuzz Live which is the second YouTube channel which is uh, where I do live streams uh, we, we do like you know, watch party stuff with movies um, and just chat about stuff and whatnot and play games so um, I'll, I'll promote that enough I never bring it up uh, so I'll mention it <laughs> There you go. Uh, so thank you very much for joining us uh, here uh, for episode 239. Uh, it's been a pleasure. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. Shazam.